Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 115. I'm back from holidays, so uh, you're welcome. You don't have to let Dexter drag you through the mud in this uh, this process. And I'm just going to chill out. I love it. I, I, <laughs> I think we had one of the best podcasts last last week. Well, it was Carrie. with a carry, so that's perfectly fine. A winner, I'm fine yeah. With that. A winner, yeah. You know what I did? <laughs> we did hear a lot of great comments, uh, compliments after last week, right? You know, I think it helped. Obviously, we had a lot of bowling stuff we could talk about, and you know, the history of the of the weekend and how that all went. But obviously, talking to Kerry Snyder and his story and and some of the things he's gone through was 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 awesome for people to, to hear and to listen to. Uh, it was so nice to sit there and talk about a tournament, and you know, all of a sudden, an hour and a half went by. We we we, we talked bowling for an hour and a yeah. half, guys. <laughs> One tournament. When was the last time we could do that? It was awesome. It was so uh, good. Not since COVID started, obviously. But, Carrie, we missed you uh, mm-hmm. there at the Autumn Open, and we gave you lots of shout-outs and compliments last week about uh, your bowling at the Autumn Open. Um, obviously, winning the doubles there on Thursday night and then qualifying your first shift on Saturday. And I think somebody said, Len Anseth said, Carrie Kreitz is going to win the tournament, right, when you were throwing uh, the shift. And then as things progressed obviously you had an outstanding sunday and finished second so how did that go for you man how did that make you feel yeah no obviously it made me feel fantastic uh, it's been a long sledge i guess i shouldn't say that since 2017 it's been a been a rough bowling situation have been bowling really well and then obviously we had the year year and a half off um so to get back to paradise lanes um we played the Autumn Open Celebration last year. We were lucky enough to play and played all right in that event. Obviously, Trevor Tom won. And then going into this year, coming back to the Autumn Open and um, playing the Thursdays and coming back as a repeat or as a defending champion, obviously got a light of fire under everybody's butt a little bit. And uh, to come up playing really good. Um, gave me a lot of confidence going into the Friday morning shift and playing really well to qualify there, winning some doubles money with uh, Dexter and Adam. Yeah, uh, we, All three of us played really well. And then, yeah, going into Sunday, not playing um, all Saturday, not knowing what the lane conditions were going to be like. It took me the first game coming out against Mr. Schneider, right? Uh, he, I start with a six-bagger. He starts with an eight-bagger. Yeah. 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 In the 16th. Yeah, sorry, getting through the top 40s. Um, played really well for the first four games and then kind of slid in. Uh, I'm not sure qualified fifth or something like that. Um, but yeah, just playing well the whole time. Not really concerned about how my game was playing. And uh, it was kind of neat hearing a lot of the comments. Everybody thinks, oh, it, uh, it was a tough scoring house. That's the way bowling used to be right it was 18 inch centers it was white bases it was uh conditioned um to the moon there was quite a bit of uh conditioner on there as mr miller would like to say yeah um so it played pretty fast and it was it was neat to play on older conditions even though it was on new new synthetics and stuff like that but to play i guess kind of my a game where i learned how to play hard and fast up the middle and hit it heavy and pick up whatever was left over. So it went really good for me. And then to see how Kerry Schneider played, right? He's a uh, slow roller, has lots of roll on his ball, and he scored astronomical as well, right? So 
it was neat to now see one, the, the transition. Know, the question for you is obviously, a, you know, the comment or the challenge sometimes is when you have so much else going on outside of the, on the lanes, you know, the live stream, you've got the 5PNU, WCBT, the merch, all these things going on and helping with all that. Was it something that you just learned that you can handle both or it, the bowling came together and that took a back seat or you had the right amount of team there helping with everything or is it just now it's been a few years and I've been through this whole game plan so I've learned how to adjust and mentally and physically and all those things that I'm going to continue to be able to do everything but I'm also be able to make sure that I continue to bowl and, it, and this is the weekend where it all came together you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was definitely a large combination of all the factors, right? This So this was the sixth year of the WCBT and live streaming all the events and stuff like that. So it's been a learning curve how to balance it. So with a combination of that and bowling well and the support, right? Like uh, I had my wife, Julie, there running the table and Dexter and Mark and all you guys, Daryl, when you were there and just helping out and alleviating a lot of the, the stress while playing, not having to worry about, oh, is the camera running? Is it is it going well? I had somebody watching that and then come tell me if there was a situation. It wasn't me running back and forth to make sure it was up and running right. and stuff like that. We did have some small live stream issues here and there, but it was just a lot, a lot less stress for sure. Yeah. Well, it was awesome to see you play well, and we gave you enough kudos on that, so we don't need to overdwell on it here, buddy. No, no, no for sure. <laughs> but, but anyways, great job. Um, let's banter a bit about Masters last weekend. Obviously, that was only in Alberta, uh, but you three played um, Masters weekend in Bonnie Dune and Sherwood Bowl. I think a lot of people are probably thinking scores out of Bonnie Dune were going to be a lot higher than they were, and they were after four games. Had a lot of guys sitting there, right? Over the 2,400 year projected. And then this sort of slid down a little bit. But how mm -hmm. was the experience for you guys in the first Masters weekend here on uh, last weekend? It, it was good. Um, it was nice seeing everybody back. Our numbers, honestly, were pretty static from yeah, they were. March 2020. Uh, to, be, to be honest with you, you looked at it. Uh, I, after five, after five or after four, well, four or five, there was... Um, Five or six guys over 300 average, and and I was I was down in the pack. I wasn't wasn't necessarily playing all that well, and and I was like, man, I'm I want to have a, a huge deficit to come back on, right? And uh, let's be honest, none of us have really played at Bonnie Dune for the last 18 months, and then and then at the end it was only like 2360, for, which yeah, except for Dexter, yeah, <laughs> oh, you did too, Daryl. Well, yeah, I know, but I didn't play yeah. masters. But 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 twenty three sixty, right? And and really, like that's not a whole. I I don't and I don't think it was Elaine's fault. I think they just uh, just uh, maybe a couple of bad breaks here and there. People weren't carrying strikes or or yeah. weren't getting on runs, and it just happened that way. Matt started off really well. Schultz, she shoot 13, yeah. 13, 31 and I thought honestly, I think it was uh, at one point I was saying twenty five hundred for sure. Yeah. Right, because he just the way he was rolling it, and then he finished with um, only a twenty-five fifty, right, or something like that. Twenty-two fifty. Twenty-five. No, twenty-two. Twenty-two and a half. Yeah. Oh yeah, twenty-two fifty. Yeah, right. Right, right. right. and sure. so I mean, there there were some good scores that way. The lanes played uh, a little drier than normal, and it wasn't like astronomically like difficult by any means. It just there's a little bit more movement than than the old Bonnie Dune, I guess, from eighteen months ago. I guess you can say. Which was fine. The approaches I found a little bit, a little bit heavier um, than normal. But in a, a grading out of a ten, 
it was still a still eight point five nine out for scoring. Like it was, yeah, the, the honestly, scoring was still unbelievable there, right? Yeah, and I think I think the reason like the reason why you see those scores the way they are, I don't think it has anything to do with the house at all. No, um, you know I think you that's when you started to see that eighteen month layoff. Yeah, you know, the pressure, you start, the when you have five, the, Exactly. Yeah. You have five people are averaging over 300 after four, and then you see the final being 2,300. 2,380. Uh, 2362, yeah. Um, for, and then, like, there, there was... There was three of us over 2,300. Yeah, just three. Yeah. Yeah. And, honestly, only nine over 22, which, again, is probably less than we expected so but um, but that's that's good to have nine over 22 that made it a lot tighter than what you were thinking originally we mm -hmm. we were bantering back and forth thinking there was going to be guys over 25 right so if that was the case you would have had four or five guys that are basically locked i mean from that one tournament i mean that's hard to say but i mean that's the reality of it but having only 23 and a half in your ninth place at 10th place was what what made a, a big cluster and then on Sunday, you had a few guys that had big days. Tyler had a monster finish three, right? That was uh, a 1072 triple or something like that, guys. 388, 380, 330 something. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Yeah, with only two guys over the 2300, right? So it, essentially, you look at the two tournaments, they played pretty close to the same. Yeah. 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 So. And Sherwood Park almost higher and really some sides that has got to be optimistic for anybody coming into TPC, you know, yeah, coming yeah. up in two weeks for you guys to get uh, some I, practice I mean, in there. The highest, the highest score was higher from Sherwood park, but consistently, I mean, that, like I said, there was how many, nine people over 22. Uh, we had one, two, three, six, four. four. Oh yeah. Sorry. Four. Guys four. Park over yeah. 22. So there was definitely yeah. a disparity there. It, it, it isn't anywhere near the body dune level of stuff, but, uh, Scores are to be had. There's, you know, some changes to be made, you know, but uh, there's definitely scores to be had there for sure. And there's going to be, I mean, that's it, there's going to be lots of competition coming down the road. It's it's not locked in. There's a ten or a dozen of you that have a chance. So it's good to see. And on the ladies' side too, there were some good scores on the ladies' side. Heidi mm. played oh, very absolutely. well. Heidi played, Heidi played really well. Again. Yeah. yeah. Diana um, almost won. Diana almost uh, yeah. won another one. Bonnie did. And you yeah. know that, and that was. We talked about on the podcast how many times black bases, 17 inches, um, it, do, it doesn't help uh, a slower ball thrower. And at one point, I think I looked over at Diane and she had seven corners in a row. Yeah. Oh, exactly. now, now, I don't know if they're all great corners or whatnot, but regardless, seven corners in a row, right? And then, Popping over. Yeah, but, she's kind of carrying She thing. found something. I watched, I watched her game one, and yeah, it was the same thing, Tim. It was like seven corners, and... You know, she is the ultimate professional. She found something. You know, she goes 351 in her third game, winning a single spot, which were huge, by the way. And um, that that just tells you how hard she works at things, too, because it, it, is, it is tough on 17 centers and, and black bases to carry quarters for the slower ball speeds. But uh, she found a way there and averaged 270. That's just a lot of That's pain. Awesome. That's amazing for Diane. Good yeah. for her. Right? Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah, she played scene, a lot you know, better at Bonnie Dune. As we get uh, <laughs> across the country, Masters results, you know, we're happy to chat about other provinces and other results or tournaments or stuff like that that's going on. So do we know of anybody else having a, a first one yet? 
Uh, I saw I think BC. Manitoba. BC was BC was going on too. BC went for sure. They went on the island. They were playing at Duncan and, and uh, Brecken. Right. Yeah. I can't tell you. I think I th think Dakota won one. I think Jordan Shoes won one. Okay. Um, I, I I can't tell you both of them entirely. And then, and then I know. Um. Um. So on on uh sorry Manitoba. Uh, they only play six games, which is interesting. Because the cost of because they went by the hourly rental out there, they changed it over there. Yeah. Um. So they. Uh, yeah, that's right. Ryan O'Callaghan saying here, Trevor Cook and Ryan Bourne had a couple of huge weekends. Weekends. Yeah, they they played great. Eighteen seventy three for for six for Trevor, and eighteen thirty seven for Ryan Bourne. Uh, unreal. Uh, and their numbers are are great. They had thirty thirty guys. The yeah. ladies are less uh, at twelve, but I mean that's that's uh, pretty pretty solid numbers coming out of COVID. That's for BC. That's for sure. Kevin yeah, maybe and, if anybody's uh, ever putting their scores or their their you know on Facebook, maybe they can tag uh, Five Pin Universe when they do, right? Yeah. And then we can share it on our site, and then that's uh, then we got that information. So if anybody's listening and you had a Masters event, tag Five Pin Universe on Facebook on the results page would be great. Yeah, um, there was a couple of people asking where they could find the scores from Sherwood. It's on the Tournament Masters of Alberta's Facebook Facebook page. Yeah, the tournament be, masters. Yeah, they tournament will be masters. posted. Uh, they will be posted to the website once they're just verified by uh, by Rita, and away we go. So the, yeah. the reason the reason why it's only six games in Manitoba, Kevin, um, from my understanding, uh, the proprietors out there went by an hourly rate, and, and so they decided to keep it cheaper and cost effective for the associations. They decided to cut two games instead, so, yeah. instead of eight. And then BC, uh, Jesse Bailey won the first day for the ladies out of Brecken, in Brecken, sorry. And Kevin Heisler, uh, Heisler yeah. won as well with 23.42. The next day, Bobby Herman shoots 22.47 in Duncan. Well, I guess they got, they got those backwards. Pretty yeah, sure definitely. Duncan was first day and Brecken the second. Anyways, and That's then the Dakota, island, wasn't it? And Dakota, yeah. Yeah, played up, they played Dakota, on the island. Oh, no, no, that is right. And then Dakota shot 22.81. Yeah. Uh, to win hers as well, so... Good, good to see Bobby Herman out shooting. What? Hey, uh, what about uh, what about um, Damian McDonald's uh, kid from Calgary, Paradise Lanes? Didn't he shoot a high score from Paradise YBC there? Uh, he did. I saw I something too. I did, but I don't know what the score was. All I know is that kid is a band to me. He's averaging what 190. They said right now. Wow. It's unreal. We saw Rob Wolfson had a 400. Shout out to yeah. Rob. Four, 410. Yeah. 410. Yeah. Let me pull it up here. Yep. Uh, he so Lucas McDonald shot a three eighteen, and he's a bantam. Unreal. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> he's better than his dad. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I guess we're we're reaching that mark where we usually bring on our guests, but we have a little special minute from uh, oh, one of our. We got to frame where this, where and why, Tim. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll let Tim discuss for it. Sure. Yes. All right, so I have a little write-up here. Um, as some of you guys might already know, I lost a bet to DB on Thursday. Oh, no, they don't know this. Tell us more about this bet. What was this bet about? Okay, yeah, what, yeah, what was if the you, bet for? If you, want, if you want your minute in the shine, you have to be no, quiet, no, okay? No, no, people need to know the information. I will, I will. Here, here, yeah, I, 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 I got this. Tim, I don't know what's going on. Okay, yeah. here, I, I, I muted Daryl. Okay, so 
Uh, <laughs> some of you might already know I lost a bet to Daryl um, on Thursday. I kind of maybe ran my mouth off about how, how much better I am than he is. Uh, so I will admit that maybe I put my foot in my mouth. Um, lost a head-to-head match with him. I'm supposed to give a minute of compliments um, since I lost, but in my defense, he was playing with his wife, Sue, and I really didn't want to show him up. Um, so let's be honest with that. Um, I only shot a 600 on the nose, and I actually picked a corner for it. So uh, for all you listeners out there, as many of you guys know, I've known DB for my entire life, almost over 25 years. I've seen him grow as a person. From a sunshine boy, yes, he tried his luck for love on, in a newspaper article, to a belly button ring. If you guys all know, I don't think I even know a guy who wore a belly button ring in my life. Uh, but maybe I, that's something he can discuss. <laughs> um, to a guy that had his nickname to Popeye or Skinny D. Well, it's probably Dad Bod D now, right? So um, DB's taught us many things growing up. First cash share movie play, we play Pillow Fuckface. Uh, we almost <laughs> lost some teeth, but jokes on DB, he got lost in the hotel room bathroom soon after. <laughs> in all seriousness, he, he was a huge influence in me getting an association. He was the one who gave me the reins of the E5 at 25, and I wouldn't be there if he, if he didn't give them to me, so thank you, Daryl. He has an amazing family man. He loves his two girls, Jade and Paige. He has a wonderful wife, Sue, and I don't think she gets enough credit for handling Daryl the way he is. Um, and obviously, PBG and his amazing work in the community, the com- company has taken the sport to next level and rebranded it. Uh, but in all fairness, I can't wait to cheer you on in a few years when you're 50, when you're playing senior masters team, or maybe the, the senior WCBT, maybe you might have a chance to win at some point, bud. Wow. So <laughs> we wow. got you, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. Was, was that, yeah. Was that a punishment? That or... Do it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Write right up finish. another one. Yeah. Good job, buddy. <laughs> You'll learn well, not to chirp, not to chirp next time, because you know I beat Dexter, but Dexter had to send in a spare too. But I beat yeah. him, and I beat our other podcast crew, Adam Weber. So, <laughs> yes, in all fair- I, yes, I'm not just an interviewer; I can beat people too. And <laughs> up to that point on Sunday when I got my spare, I was 15 and one in Sunday match. Is that right? There was, there was no way. There was no way I was going to be there. Wow. Or 14 and two? Yeah, yeah, something like that. No, 15 and one. Yeah. <laughs> or oh, 14 one on one yeah I, I had a yeah. tie against him but I mean but really what's with the belly button ring I've always wanted to know uh, it, it probably had a link to his other his other piercing yeah. Yeah. let's just say let's just, just say it to it. Yeah. <clears throat> this is not five pin after dark yet yeah let's yeah. Uh, I think we need to get, let's get to our guests now We're yeah, yeah. <laughs> get to our guests. Uh, we'll, we'll pay some bills here um of course you can become patreon at or become a patron of five pin universe at patreon.com slash five pin universe for as little as two dollars a month canadian um we are most thankful for these people that are donating their morning coffee to us once a month to uh help us produce a podcast that is as silly as it is but um helped produce this type of media and hopefully obviously there's a few people that enjoy it and have joined in and are helping us out and then of course to all-star bowling sales um they are our weekly sponsor we don't get these out every week especially with bowling coming back so uh we'll we'll get them uh out as much as we can and we're doing an all-star draw giveaway once again so hashtag all-star draw 
We'll run their quick commercial and we'll bring in our uh, special guest. So without further ado, somebody that is uh, taken on a project for her university courses in sociology. Um, we can't thank her enough for coming on and helping explain this and so we can help spread the word for people to sign up. I know she's still currently looking for people. It's totally anonymous. But without further ado, we'll bring in... Michaela Turner. Hello! Hey guys. Hello. She looks so hey. formal too in the in the classroom, right? Like <laughs> I have a hundred pound dog and two cats at home, so they get my dog's a very big people dog. So as soon as I start talking, she's like hello, and she like pushes my arm out of the way to try and like talk to people. I had to run an in library information session this morning, and I had to hold my one cat because she kept running across my keyboard. And the dog's trying to check it out. I'm just like, this is I gotta leave. <laughs> you need doors. <laughs> <laughs> yep and tim that was a very nice best man speech you had there it was very yeah, good it was it was kind of had the both of the roast and the toast eh? yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 I, i've heard some of tim's best man speeches before and they've been good but this one went far smoother than the last one <laughs> that's for sure he hasn't been dr day drinking all day that, that's yeah. right that's yeah, right that's fair. yeah yeah cool Man, those YBC Bantams, I was, like, super happy just to, like, get over 100 in Bantams. I was like, that was my goal. And then there's, like, I was watching Nationals. My mom took a team to Quebec that one year, and, like, these kids are, like, bowling with one hand in form. And, like, I'm just, like, I was between my legs and happy if I broke 100. Totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, th that little guy we were talking about, the only thing that that kid cares about is, like, seeing the back. He just wants to see the machines. That's all he cares about. So, apparently... Uh, his motivation is Mark tells him, "Hey, if you shoot 200, you can you can see behind the machines." And Mark <laughs> walked over to him, and he was like, "This little guy was just mid conversation with me." And Mark goes, "Do you want to see the back of the machines?" And he just stops, goes, "Yep," and that was it. That, that's the only thing he cared about. He just wants to go back there. It's so He's funny. Done, ready to go. It's neat. We've seen some really some kids that were like, I mean, I mean, Mark who Mark who averaged like 200, 210 when he was in Bantam, and then. Kind of, kind of petered out from there. Stayed at well, two twenty, two thirty. After that, uh, yeah. he had his moments of brilliance too. But, but you talk about young guys with amazing form. I mean, we talk about him lots. But Tyler Tickett, I remember, I remember watching that kid when he was a peewee, throw a five bagger with absolute perfect form and zero emotion. Did not get <laughs> excited about it at all. Like it was like an old hat at it. And it was like. This is unreal. It was the craziest thing ever. So it's always cool seeing those young guys do so well. Yeah, one of my friend's kids, he was in 10 pin and then he moved to five pin this year. And he's because because with 10 pin, they're bowling with one hand and the ball's heavier. So he's got that dexterity, even though his hands are tiny. But yeah, he's throwing one handed with form and all the other kids that are almost in junior that is juniors that are still bowling between their legs are like, and he's just like this little six-year-old that's like, wee, he has no care in the world. He's just happy to be here. It's practice. He doesn't care if he gets gutters or whatever. He's just happy to be there. And mm -hmm. it's great. He's got a great attitude. That's awesome. That's perfect. We, uh, before we came on here, Michaela, we were getting to know you a little bit. And you started to talk about, we asked, have you watched any podcasts? And yeah. And your, your, your answer kind of concerned us a bit. But then uh, we got to talk a bit more. I'm like, you're kind of one of my new favorite people here. So who, <laughs> yeah. who, where did you start with podcasts from us? 
Um, I started with Taylor. I made that mistake, <laughs> and um, yeah, Taylor. Taylor's an always, always an interesting guy to talk to. He's a nice guy. He's just everything comes out of his brain and his mouth at once. So it's, he's quite, he's a very interesting guy to listen to. Yep. So that super is the analytical of the game yeah. too, though. Yeah. He understands the game very well. He's very well spoken about the game, but yes, there, yeah, there is no thought so, that stays in his brain. Yeah, because if, you you know obviously Taylor and you bowl with him and you're you're from Northern Ontario so yeah just so I know do I need to get a tally sheet or anything like that for tonight or you're gonna be you're probably gonna keep it pretty clean aren't you Yeah because th- this is I'm on here for school so my supervisor <laughs> might ask for a copy of this so we'll be <laughs> nice today wow. Way to go <laughs> Tim <Taylor. laughs> yeah. Not 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 my problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, my husband also was like, remember, be nice. And I was like, yep, I love you, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We get that warning a lot in public, like that mom look, but he does it to me, and I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) He he knows all of us. You'll be fine. You'll be Uh, absolutely fine. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Taylor's coming. They're coming out to TPC, aren't they? Um, yeah, I think so. I think John Wilcott will be as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Greg was crazy bowling that weekend, and then he shows up on Tuesday, bowls four more, and then bowls again on Wednesday, three more, and I'm like, how is this guy's arm not falling off yeah. yet? And he's not in peak physical condition, right? I mean, he's he's not like he's training for it or anything like that. Oh, but yeah, he just, he's a, mach- he's a machine, and I what, just don't him, understand what, how he does you, it. What is peak physical condition? Maybe that's part of your your, your, your thesis or later on, right? Is, <laughs> what is peak physical condition? Look at Dexter. Are you telling me Dexter's peak physical? Dad, for a five, pin, five pin bowler, yep. That's yeah. right. Snyder and Kreitz and Evan LeCoussier and Bradley Titkat. Look at the guys who finished top four, boys. See? So you- <laughs> oh, you have to finish 16th? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you must I'm, I'm just I'm just rolling through the top sixteen here trying to find your name, Daryl. Uh, oh no, yeah, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, oh shit. <laughs> oh no. Hey Greg, I still love you. It's okay, bud. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Hey, but you do have to notice though, uh sixth and seventh with me and Greg. So we But you know what? One, two for the good guys right there, right? Two for the it, good guys. It doesn't surprise me Greg was able to come back and do all that because, I mean, the guy the guy throws the ball so effortlessly. It's yeah. just so fluid. And he's a machine. A- he's a machine, and he's so accurate, and he's just – it's a very smooth ball to watch. Greg's always yeah. good to, like, watch, especially, like, when you didn't grow up with them and you now are bowling with them and you're watching them and you're just, like, damn, like – it's so crazy because the coaches that they had versus the coaches we have is like very different growing up and like mm-hmm. he's just he's a great bowler yeah mm-hmm. yeah and you know if you watch him play singles he doesn't expend a lot of extra energy he sits down in between every shot he doesn't he, he doesn't get mad he doesn't get excited um, a lot of people refer to him as one like the most boring person ever to watch bowling because you can't tell. You can't tell whether he's mad or happy or what. You're, you're looking for an fu too, Dex. I, I, <laughs> no, I, I can get the other two soon. But today. I mean, F-U no, F-U I said most boring person to watch bowling, not most boring podcast person. I mean, <laughs> you, you guys, the people are hey. very different with league and in tournaments. They, no, you're right. Real, I, really you, good interview too. Really good interview. <laughs> 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 now I'm gonna get a fuck you, DB. <laughs> 
you, you put them on a team and it's totally different. I mean, the yeah. singles and team game is a completely different scenario altogether, <laughs> for sure. But I, I love I always this. Have... This podcast has turned into just a roast. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is awesome. Like, I, I avoided singles growing up. Like, I didn't I like didn't even go into the qualifying for it. I was always a team bowler, and I, that's where I preferred to be. And then, like, I actually bowled my first ever singles national event was at the Open in Thunder. Like, at the Masters in Thunder Bay was my first, like, singles event. So, and that went pretty good. I tied for fourth, so it was it was pretty good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's yeah, awesome. we, we see that. You have a, a national gold in teaching ladies right for the masters it was my rookie year in my hometown you know so that was like i i always hated bowling provincials and at in my city i always preferred to bowl out of town and or in a different bowling alley just because like at that more i felt like i had to focus more out of town because i don't know what i was expecting for lane conditions and all that so like i very much preferred to bowl out of town and it i felt like it helped my bowling a lot better too because you're out of your home environment so like when nationals was in thunder bay i was like cool i get to save money but now there's a lot of more pressure here i didn't have to like <laughs> pay for flights or anything and it was just like yeah. okay and then like you know bowling in your home city all of the volunteers your coaches and people you grew up with and your proprietors there and i also worked at more i work at mario's bowl too so like my boss and all my coworkers are watching me and all my family was able to come watch and it was just it was very different and like i've bowled i provincially wise i went to a lot of provincials growing up like my provincial record's pretty good and it was just a completely different environment from um for masters for teaching division like the open is so stressful and i felt like the masters teaching division was like really lax and i had a lot of fun versus me being really stressed out so i think that helped a lot and i also didn't keep track of like my singles so yeah i told i didn't look at who the singles were i didn't i told my coach i don't want to know i'm like because i had irene charette was my coach and she would break it down like oh they're giving you 23 or um, you're giving them 16 and that's all I wanted to know. So I didn't actually look to see where I was for singles until I was going into the last day and I was like tied for first. I was like, huh, cool. Okay. (laughs) And then it was just a really weird, it was very relaxing. It was really weird for a national environment because it was in my own home city and I had all my friends and family there and, and like it was really funny because we were bowling at Mario's like for some reason everybody was just the first game it took everybody a lot to try and finish that first game but I had like a high three and everybody's like staring at me like I'm crazy and everybody's like how are you and I'm like I, I bowl here this is my center and my boss is in the background like and then like one of my coaches was the judge of play and she's sitting there like mm, and like every time i'm like on heavy on the middle she's like not like tammy you can't do that you're judge of play right now and everybody's like and then it was we were in our gold like the very very last game of that tournament and the live stream died so everybody else that was there from northern ontario could not watch the last couple of frames because the the, uh, iPad died and my dad's on the phone because he was on his lunch break and he's like yeah my kids to win gold I'm I'm gonna be late and then my mother-in-law 
so Philip's mom. Philip was also bowling this tournament. She was supposed to leave to go watch Philip that day, but she just stayed with us the entire day. And Philip's like, "Hey, mom, where are you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm watching Michaela. She's doing better than you right now, so I'm just gonna stay here." So like, yeah, yeah. that was super funny. But it was just a very different environment bowling in your home city because like I bowled in Calgary and like Moose Jaw and Ottawa, so it's it very different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it means a lot more too, right? When you when you can win at home. And yeah. I also think the loss hurts harder too when you lose at home. Yeah, and like it was really nice too because I had a there's there's a coach that had my brother for YBC and they won bronze, and so I had been to more provincials and I had been to more nationals with my brother and she was just like oh like so you haven't medaled and you've been to more nationals than your your brother, and she's never been able to like make it to the masters herself. So it was really nice to walk up to her and be like, so how's that rookie gold look now? And walk away. So that was that was really nice to do at the end of the day. I know she was just bugging me, but I had to bug her back. So totally. it was fun. Yeah. It, 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 Daryl is right, though. I mean, playing at home is a different feeling. I know Daryl was hurt in 2015, right? Uh, yeah, sure. When, Mark, when, that was when, for our provincials. Yeah, when you guys lost. I, I've, ne- I don't th- I've never played at home ever. I never played a provincial or national oh, really? event ever yeah. at home. So Me neither. Yeah. yeah, we played open provincials and we lost, I think, by half a point, honestly, or one point it came down to in the end. And we had we were down early in the tournament and huge team. Matt Schultz, Brett Wren, uh, Adam Weber were on the team. Uh, and just a second, third days, we just started steamrolling back. First day was terrible, but steamrolling back and got ourselves right into it. I think the last day we were 8-0 or maybe 7-1. And it came down to the last shot. And we won 7-1. Uh, but the guy, he struck out the last frame to beat us. Yeah, Baker. And it was like, oh, and it just hurts, right? Because we worked so hard to get back in. Being a sure park, it's just one of those ones that would have been nice to, to cap off, right? Just a, a win at a hometown. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, Thunder Bay, that, like, that's going to be it for us for Nationals because we lost Superior Bowl. So they're closed. So all we have is Mario's and Galaxy. So we don't have enough lanes to host anymore. So it's it was a good you know, got gold in your home city might be the last time we ever host a nationals for five pins. So unless we get more lanes or convertible somewhere, but it was, it's pretty good. How many lanes is galaxy (sighs) with the convertibles? I have no idea. I think it's it's gotta be close to 30, isn't it? I think so. If, but they're, they're not very well maintained to kind of keep that going. So yeah, they, they had some struggles when we played there at, uh, in at yeah for masters there but um oh sam says we have enough lanes to host and open nationals yeah that's exactly what i was thinking because is that galaxy sorry we're talking in thunder bay yeah, yeah. galaxy and murray's yeah where does um, like where does where's the elite league in thunder bay is that at galaxy um, or Mario's yeah or? we're we're a galaxy we were a galaxy for a while and then we moved over to superior and now we're after superior closed we're back at we're back at galaxy so it's it's a good good way to practice there because and is it a good uh, competitive league? I mean, a lot of the northern Ontario people um, out there, everybody plays Taylor and yeah, know, Taylor, and... Greg, Wes, uh, Sam Sitar, Alyssa Bonney, um, oh, yeah. John Wilcott. Everybody's kind of kind of there. <laughs> so <laughs> good job, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, you have to have a two hundred average to get in the league, and then it's a kind of draft system. So we have twelve teams. So it's yeah, a perfect. it's a snake draw. So you go. Uh, bottom A picks first, then back down. So, yeah, losing yeah. Superior was a, a big loss to the community out there for sure. Yeah, 
Yeah, Brian and Lori were really amazing proprietors. They cared about the lanes. They cared about their bowlers. They cared about five pin and it showed a lot being there. Like the bowling alley wasn't obviously in the best location in the city, but like they cared so much and it was, they deserved that retirement and I'm glad they're enjoying it, but like we're, we're going to miss them. Yeah. And it's nice to see Brian back out bowling because he spares for Alyssa. Um, they like, she bowls for two weeks and he bowls for two weeks and, they flop back and forth there, so Brian's getting back into it now. So uh, yeah, it's good I, to see I him. Really liked playing in Superior for for Nationals there. I like unique places, and I mean Superior was is definitely one of the more unique bowling centers there was with the ball returns and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, for for those that who that don't know, uh, Superior had the ball returns for one and two on the right hand side of lane two. So like a and Skona? Then, yeah, it's the against the wall. Three and four is between two and three. No, a little bit different than Skona. So Skona was they had a ball return for lane one, and then they had a ball return for lanes two and three, ball return for lanes four yeah. and five. This one had each the the entire sets on one side, and then they were like side by side with the other sets. So you'd have like sure. there's no yeah, ball returns in the middle of the lanes. Yeah, Daryl, it was oh, like yeah. it was like Skona, Daryl. Yeah, thanks. No. I'm pretty sure there's just an echo in here, Tim. <laughs> Tim, Tim, were you paying attention at yeah. all? To the conversation? I was paying attention. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like all the coaches from Superior always joke that their kids had really good lane courtesy because there is no ball return separating. Like, like separating is just like open and then yeah. open. So the, there's literally points where there's like there's four lanes, just lanes. Because the way the way yeah. the ball returns. Yeah, I like. Open it's up. not a great idea though for designing a center. I mean, you have your ball return for three and four on the right side of four. The ball return for five and six is on the left side of five. Yeah. Right. But it, it's just and it's then, really tough for teams because you got to walk in behind everybody, grab the balls, come back. You and usually grab two there. and leave one on the on the on the score desk so that you didn't have to do it again. It's uh, it, it was it was unique. It was fun though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step out on a limb here and say that's probably not the most best design for a bowling yeah. center. Unique is a good way. Okay, unique, yeah. Yeah, like what Sam said, like at Masters, like we thought it was the funniest thing watching everybody try and figure the ball returns out, and like there was people like like. Every single team member would go and grab three balls and just stand behind the team holding them. We're like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Yeah. But yeah, like it was it was quite funny watching everybody try and figure it out. Yeah. Daryl, you can't fall over a ball return now. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but no, not not like Skona and Tim. Okay. I fix your ball returns, I sure bowl every every time I move lanes I fix the ball returns. They're always off center and always moving this way and I, I, it, it's always the people booting them. Yeah, bad attitudes, kicking the ball. Well, no, I think it's more, I more, I think it's more of like Mark Doss, like leg kick out, oh, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. They have to be so straight for me because I don't like it when it's not straight and it's yeah. off the side. Or, or I gotta fix those. That's, yeah, that's the well, OCD in me. Well, don't you know it's the ball return's fault if you throw a shit ball? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not, yeah, not your fault. It's the ball return's fault. Yeah. Damn Clearly. straight. <laughs> yeah. or, like, or the carpet that's not cleaned on the side of sixteen. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get some. Uh, let's move on and have some fun here. So obviously, Michaela, you've um, wh what's what's next in a, in your bowling? So obviously, competitive this year. Are we doing 
you know, open masters, what's in your uh, world for bowling competitive this year? Um, I was actually worried about coming into this year because I really severely hurt my knee um, in quarantine in 2020. I was super graceful and tripped over a coffee table and dislocated my knee and put my kneecap behind the back of my knee and it got stuck there. So I was in a leg brace from crotch to ankle. I couldn't bend it. I had to sleep in that brace. And it's crazy to watch your muscles just like disappear. So I had so much. And it was was my sliding leg too. So I was just like, oh no. So I've actually like this year has been so good so far. I'm averaging 230 in both of my leagues. So I threw an 823 triple last night. So it was, it was, it was good. But, um, I am probably just going to do the open this year. Um, I'll still bowl the masters so we can get as many kids as we can to come in, um, bowl. Um, cause like with Northern Ontario, we do masters really differently compared to everybody else. And, um, my house in particular will pay for all your tournaments for the whole year, including your registration except for provincials and nationals so if you come and coach the kids i think we have to have like x amount of hours that like works up to like half the year so they'll pay for your registration um midwinter master bantam and master junior so um you get that's like incentive to come and do that but i will for sure be bowling at least those three because everything for northern ontario i think except for ybc including tenpin as well is in thunder bay for provincials this year so um we'll be we'll be doing that so just gotta get as many kids out as possible. I like I like bowling with the kids. I know lots of people maybe don't, but I like it. It's a lot of fun. That's so cool. I, I still can't really get my mind around the fact that your kneecap was in behind your knee. Yeah, and it was super great because I was like helping my sister-in-law at my mother-in-law's house. Like Philip wasn't even there. And I had to like, it took them like 30 minutes to even get me in the ambulance because of course I tripped and fell and then I fell into a squishy couch. So I couldn't get out of the squishy couch to get into the stretcher to get me down the stairs and then into the ambulance. So that was like super, super fun. And like, I, I learned that my body digests or like goes through morphine very quickly. So <laughs> that was super fun to learn. And, but yeah, so it was just trying to like get physio back and like getting back to bowling just like was super scary because like in the summertime it's super humid in the lanes and the approaches get sticky and i because it's my it's my you know the foot that i slide on it's just like i was so worried that like if i stuck like that's it it's gone again because in the process of me getting the x-rays i had to go to fracture clinic i learned that i'm genetically missing the other muscle to keep my kneecap in place so instead of having two i have i'm missing the inside one which is, I called my mom and I thought it was hilarious because I have broken my knee. Like I was super, super, super graceful. And I tripped up the stairs and broke my growth plate in between my knee. Not even my actual knee. I broke the growth plate on a carpet nail falling up the stairs. So during that x-ray, nobody figured out that I was missing the muscle. So that was, my mom thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. So (laughs) So, super so graceful you, glad you could find the humor in it yeah what do you have to do about that do you have to wear a knee brace just to make sure that it doesn't pop out or i went and did a lot of physiotherapy i go to the gym a lot and i worked for the census in the summertime so i was like walking like four or five hours a day and like um when i'm i can kind of feel when it's getting sore so i just pop a brace on it and i bowl and i have um Thunder Bay, there's a guy who uh, owns a shoe repair shop and he makes our custom shoes for us. So I actually have Nikes that I've turned into bowling shoes and 
I have stuck that like Brunswick slider over top of that shoe when I feel sticky. So I just really make sure that I don't overdo it because I was just powdering the shit out of my shoe all the time. So everybody's like slipping and slotted on the lanes. I'm like, I should probably not do that anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody's sneaking around. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you play defense in five pin bowling. <laughs> well, I always like, I like, Fridays, me, like me and Philip bowl Tuesday night majors is our competitive league. Then we bowl Friday mixed at Mario's, and that's just our fun league. We have fun, we bowl, and um, we always joke that it's because, like, I always drop it and it goes like powder goes everywhere, and everybody's like, Oh no, the cocaine, don't waste that. <laughs> <laughs> Friday night, let's go. Yeah, no yeah. wonder you bowl with Taylor, like, yeah, <laughs> that, that makes total sense. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's, it's lots of fun, and it's always funny because we always joke about like. You could probably hide drugs in those because the amount of times I've been through an airport with my bowling bag and nobody ever looks at that pouch that's literally white and powdery <laughs> is hilarious. Like I very distinctly remember in 2016 when we were in Calgary, Newfoundland had already gone through security because everybody's obviously wearing all their jackets. And then, you know, like we get through security and my brother had the old star lines that had the core in them. Yeah. So they, he gets beeped through the x-ray. And my brother, like, I don't know, he was like 13, 14. And so like, I'm like, what's in the bag? And he's like, they're bowling balls. I'm, I'm with them and Newfoundland had them too. And they're like talking to him. And like, my dad's making jokes in the background, like shush, like we don't need to get like sent <laughs> yeah. home, you know, the tournament hasn't even started yet. But like, and again, like didn't check the, the powder bag. They're just looking at his bowling balls and they're like, they're pulling him out and looking at them and like putting them through the scanner again and like wiping them down. But like, that sliding powder thing always gets missed and yeah so we, yeah. we've learned you go directly to oversized luggage you put your bowling balls down they scan them and you tell them what it's for and they still check everything they yeah. wipe it for drugs and i know we're, we're at least at the point where like when we do that though there's usually like you know, a solid 20 or 30 of us going through the day. They're like, oh, another bowler. Yeah. Like, yeah so, there's a bowling tournament okay. going to Regina. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> going to Regina. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And like Newfoundland had already gotten through and they're all like, we're all wearing the same thing, like purple jackets with the Northern Ontario on them. And like, yeah. we had all gone through because like that year, every single team was from Thunder Bay. And every single team was from Mario's except for the senior boys. So, like, we were all from the same city and we're all, like, looking. And my brother's, like, freaking out. And we're, like, they're, like, they're just bowling balls, if you promise. Like, they're a little yeah, bit different. I and I think Amanda Nichols had the problem with the Perfect Game Award, like, trying to get that through the airport because they wanted to open it to double-check the insides of it. And they're, like, please don't. that's like, ball? Yeah. They wanted to open it to just to make sure the contents inside and they were like please don't this is like a very prestigious award and they were like well like can't be like sure and they're like please please don't so what were they gonna do cut it in half yeah like oh, let's see man. what's in there they're, it's they're clear gonna, they're, they're, gonna yeah. do that. they're gonna do that to gall starline and we say like, go ahead we're gonna miss the flight i've been stopped <laughs> i've been stopped for my starlines too way back yeah, yeah. yeah. it's well, just because yeah. of the core that same yeah. national too, like we're coming home from Calgary and one of my coaches forgot her, um, one of my coaches forgot her purse in the hotel. So she had to go back through security and some idiot had a fold up throwing star in his wall that he was arguing with security of why he couldn't take it on the plane. And like, they're gonna, we're gonna miss our plane. Cause like we, all of us were like pretty much of age. Like I think I was the only one on that team that was like 18, but maybe no, Ashley, 
was also over the age of 18, but like the rest of our parents had earlier flights. So like these coaches were like our chaperones to get home. But this guy's like arguing with security of like, why can't I take the throwing star? It just, it folds up and goes on my wallet. They're like, sir, this is a weapon. And he's just like, but it folds up. And they almost uh, missed the flight coming back. I always have very interesting stories of what happens <laughs> at nationals of like the weirdest stuff. It was super fun. <laughs> we need to write a book on travel stories of oh. bowling travel stories that have happened. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It like crazy stuff happens. Crazy yep. stuff happens. Let's um let's go and tee up this whole project that you're working on, Michaela. I think there's some some good stuff to chat about there. Obviously, a lot of us saw on Facebook you sent a note out. You were looking for some feedback from competitive bowlers. You know, you're doing your masters. Yeah, so maybe cue it all up. How did this come about to be? Where did this come from? What can we do to help? And, and walk us through this whole uh, this whole fun project that you're working on. Yeah, so like I wasn't actually intending on doing my master's degree at all. I was like, all right, like getting through high school was hell, and you know, being in school sucks. So I was like, all right, I'm done. So I was in a foods class for sociology out at Roots to Harvest. We weren't even like on school property and we're all getting ready to leave and packing up and helping our prof get our stuff in the car. And one of the girls that was in my class was like, oh, I'm going to a pool league at a, lo a local bar. I was like, oh, cool, I'm in a bowling league. And she was like, oh, tell me more about it. So I'm like explaining to her like how it works. And she's like, oh, do you start as a kid? I'm like, yeah, you can. So I'm explaining to her like YBC Youth Challenge, the Masters, the Open, um, the WCBT stuff. I'm kind of like running through of all these different things. And my prof overhears me and she goes, you could study that. And I was like, what? She was like, that would make for a really cool study. Like you guys have, and she goes, you know, like how do you build relationships through bowling and how do you guys know each other? And cause like me, um, cause me and my husband met bowling. It was our first youth challenge is how we met. We've been on the bus going down and like all these different connections and tournaments and like how we're structured is very interesting. And so she was like, you can study it, like go, apply and she goes go try and find a supervisor and so i was like okay and i, I applied like really last minute i think i only had like three days left for ap applications and then i guess she thought this like my like my the bowling stuff is super interesting because she was talking to other profs about it so i went to a meeting of how to fill out the grad application stuff and you have to have a supervisor to apply so i was like and each professor has like a specialty so i was like i wanted to go ask one of my favorite profs, but she doesn't take master's students. So I was like, she, she just gave me a letter of reference. So I asked her, I was like, Hey, like, who can I get for my supervisor? And she goes, go talk to Tony. I said, okay. Before, like I walk into his office and he already had a bunch of reference stuff printing out for me before I could even ask him. And he's like, sign me up. Cause he did a curling study, very similar, not curling chest study, very similar to what my bowling study is. And he was super interested in it. And he was super excited about it. He's like, yep, sign me up. He goes, here's my study, read, read it. And so applied. And then uh, the first year of your master's degree is basically just, just getting your, your courses done. And then you submit um, your proposal and you do ethics board stuff. So as I was doing my first year, you have to like, I had so many ideas because like, this is my community. I've been here for 15 plus years, right? So I have all these ideas. So it was the process of trying to like, narrow stuff down and like obviously we didn't know covid was going to happen like my whole plan was to do an ethnography so that's putting yourself in with your participants and being in the environment and watching so i was going to come do the wcbt and the opens and come and do that 
But with COVID, um, due to ethics board regulations, we can't do any in-person projects right now. So that was like, that was like mm-hmm. right in the middle of me writing my proposal when, cause we got that very late notice. So it was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, panic. I have to change my entire project around now and figure out what I want to do. And like, I was just so excited. I have all these ideas We're like, hey, we got to narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down, narrow it down and like throw stuff out and throw stuff in. And like, as I'm talking to him and explaining to him about it and he was like, you know, why do, you guys like hang on to this for so long and like go from like maybe like three until you know you're like 80 years old like why do people hang on to this so for so long like it's just a sport and some of this competitive stuff you're paying hundreds of dollars to do this stuff especially for flights and hotels and like cash tournaments aren't like none of this is like an obligation like you don't have to go to cash tournaments you don't have to do the open you don't have to do masters you don't even have to coach but some of these people just dedicate you know, their entire lives to the sport. So he was like, look at that. And like, he thought the co-ed aspect of bowling is just so interesting because like other sports, it's a men's league and a women's league and they don't mix for anything. We're bowling. Mo- most of our leagues are mixed. Like at um, in Thunder Bay, like we don't really have a men's league or, or just a women's league in Thunder Bay. Like if it is, it's usually like the 55 plus bowlers or mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not it's not really meant to be a men or women's league. It's not solely. It just sometimes ends up that way. So he thought that was super interesting. And so I, I you know, wrote everything out. And then, you know, my whole goal with this project is to, like, you know, learn something new and maybe, you know, teach everybody else who's been in the sport longer than I've been alive for something new as well and learn something cool and see why we function the way we function and super, super cool and yeah, that's kind of how it started. It wasn't really, it started off as just a conversation. And then, you know, I got the push to go, to go and do it. And, you know, and actually Ryan, the beer thing, I had my, as I'm talking to my professor, he's like, so like, how, how does like drinking fit into like the aspect of bowling? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) our provincials work a little bit different than everybody else's. Like we can drink at our provincials. Like there's no rule. Like you can't drink through provincials. Like there's some teams that solely just come to drink and have fun because they know they're not going to place. And like, he's like, really? And I was like, yeah. Cause like in BC, I was like, well, we got excited because beer was two fifty for a glass of draft where in town it's like six bucks so it was like candy to everybody (laughs) in bc when we went and so like it was like telling him that he's like man he goes there's so much here for you to study and like i have all these ideas and he thinks they're all amazing and like now he's like okay so when you do your phd i'm like whoa 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 let's get through this first because like i've i've been in i like usually some people take like a year off or whatever i have been in school from jk until now i have had no break so if i do my phd i will be taking a break before i do a phd but i will if i do one i will study bowling again and you know continue on further and like it's just so crazy to me because like obviously i have all these academic libraries i can go through and like i'm trying to find any article on bowling in general like even a 10-pin article that talks about like bowling and there's nothing and i'm like wow like there's there's literally nothing here so I'm really hoping. For, if you're looking for like older stuff, uh, I think t- Tim's got lots because because uh, Don Sims given quite a bit of stuff. So 
we could probably help out with that. But anything recent, it's it's tough finding recent stuff. And it's also um, tough yeah. finding studies, like academic yeah. resources yeah. too, as well. Like I can pull all the articles yeah. and the videos that I want in the world, but if there's like there's no academic studies, so like one of my main goals with this project is to get academically published, so bowling is put out there in this like so when people look in sociological like this there is sociology of sport as well and get that in there and show that we are just as interesting as hockey or curling or tennis or soccer or whatever right so that's that's a main goal of mine is to get published and there is a lady who did a really interesting 10 pin study and um i would love to work with her and maybe do a paper on the five pin versus 10 pin debate in canada because that's pretty big as well and do a study with her because and she's from England is where she did her study in this bowling alley. She studied it is incredibly cool. It's two floors. The competitive bowlers bowl upstairs and like just the regular fun league members bowl downstairs. And it's a very, you have to have like a membership club card to get upstairs. They won't even mm. let you upstairs to walk without one. So like it was a, you need a clearance pass. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, and like she I did. Like she did like a study on like why these people bowl and why they come bowl or why they came back to bowling. So that was like one thing I was able to use for a reference. But other than that, there's really nothing. So it was it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. And you know, like I got a really big response within the first like 48 hours that I posted it because I was like I posted it pretty late at night and I was like I will you know email more people in the morning i just want to get this out of here because ethics board took so long to get through so i'm like i need to get this out here because i feel like i'm not on track right now so i was like man i gotta like get this out here get it done and then i woke up i had like 80 shares like c5 i already shared i was planning on emailing people in the morning and it was just like really really great because one of the issues with ethics board and with my professor is they were like well how do you plan on getting this out there and i said our community is very amazing for that. We are very great at helping each other out. And, you know, like we have, like there's people who have really awesome connections that help each other move or like, oh, come stay at my house the next tournament, you know, like, and make really long lasting friendships. I'm like, I, I'll be fine. And it was, yeah. it was amazing, this response off the hop and everything. And it was just, it was, it was really awesome. And now I just got to work on getting more participants and getting some stuff done. So I think that's what's super exciting about it is that you are taking, you know, the, the sociological perspective from it, from a, a studying the behaviors and the personalities and the relationships in behind the scenes. Then you are, I mean, obviously we've got some comments here, really good references with, with Tom Patterson and, you know, his books that he's done a little bit more on the skill side, probably some mind stuff too, but obviously you know about those references. Yeah. You know, Walter, Walter Heaney, people have mentioned as well, um, that he's done a lot of, a lot of, you know, articles and, and writing. And of course, you know, recaps those now on Facebook, Don Sim for the old days, some of those, again, statistical stuff. But I think what's super exciting is the, the, the mind and the behavioral and the sociological perspective that I think you're taking to publish something into the, the journals of, about about stuff. It, it, it's, it's a bit of a different angle than anybody has done before. And you're obviously yeah. well qualified um, to do something like this. So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of people are happy and exciting. Now, I know you mentioned earlier, and we'll mention again later, um, a lot of people have signed up but uh, also then the requirement for a consent form consent form is important for everybody so remember that people is that 
when Michaela sends you back a consent form, you need to sign those check check those boxes and sign it off. Otherwise, she's not able to do the study with you individually. So yeah, and like mind. make sure when you're reading the consent form too, the the consent part is in the um, is in the fifth page, it's the last page, and there is like I think three things you have to fill out. And people are sometimes missing the bottom one, so make sure you get back to that. And Ryan, I haven't done any interviews yet. My first one is tomorrow. I wanted to get on here to get more people on the podcast. I think I only actually have like five people who sent me their consent forms back, so I can only do five wow. five interviews right now. So like, I need, I wanted to get more people before I start emailing for interviews. And so, and I'm I don't have anybody from Quebec. I don't. I finally got somebody from BC. I really hope I get at least one person from Northwest Territories. And then I only have a couple here and there from every other province. I think I have like what, one uh, per province, but. What would be your target number or your goal to get? Um, as many as you can possibly get, or you're like, ah, if I could get. I have to limit more. it. So with a master's study, um, they ha I'm only at max allowed to do 40. So my goal is to do two men, two women from each province. Um, obviously, if I don't get anybody from a certain province for whatever reason, I'll open it up to um, whoever else wants to email me. Um, and it was really awesome. So I was expecting Northern Ontario, obviously, to fill up first because that's where I'm from. But like um, S Susan McCarthy from Newfoundland shared it to Newfoundland. It was like, boom, PEIs emailing me in Newfoundland. Like I had nice. I had the Maritimes fill up within a day and it was amazing. And I still I still have lots of spots, too, because I have people just email me but never sent me the consent forms back. So I do have spots open and like. Like I said on my post, like if for some reason I get like eight people that email me with consent forms back and I'm just gonna do a random draw of like who they are so that way I'm not picking favorites, right? So like, I don't wanna like have a Northern Ontario where like I just pick people from Thunder Bay. So like Sudbury and Kenora are like, well you just yeah. like, you know, so right? Was, so I want it to be fair. Yeah. That way I'm no. not picking people I know. And that was going to be a question is, um, are you looking for, you know, the WCBT rankings, the top five ranked players, or are you looking for a cross section of the top 100 or 200 or, or what demographic of people are you looking for? Somebody that really top of their game or somebody that's trying um, to get into the ranks? Or, yeah. It's like, it's anybody who's actively participating, masters the open, um, POA, um, the WCBT, any sort of cash tournaments like that. Um, just people who are in the competitive aspect of bowling because um, like everybody has their tournament that they prefer to bowl and like some people only bowl the open some people only bowl cash tournaments you know so like anybody who participate in those are welcome and it's it's great so it's fun and because like I talking with my prof and talking about who I want to narrow it down to and he thinks the competitive sphere is a lot better than just doing casual bowlers because the he really wants he's very looking forward because he thinks that my study is going to blow that 10 pin study out of the water and he's <laughs> like i want he goes we have to do it because i was like do i just do northern ontario do i do ontario do i just pick a province like how do you like how do you think this is going to work he's like no nope, we're doing internet we're doing all of canada we're doing 40 people we're doing like he was super set and he was just like we're doing all these get as many as you can and he goes yeah, and competitive bowlers you talk about 40, you know, we automatically think that we've got 175 people coming to TPC, different bowlers, right, Tim or Dex, yeah. something like yeah. that, right? So, yeah. I mean, the 40 should be able to do in the drop of a hat, right? Yeah. Um, but if you go more, obviously, it's more time commitment. You're an hour and a half per, your number of hours into this project gets to be pretty pretty big, right? So, yeah, 
you obviously got to decide on who to do or random, but there's definitely, as people are giving suggestions, some amazing people across the country that can give insight on different different subjects and different things. So. Yeah, and like everybody has different levels of where they started at. Like I didn't start peaking until like my last year YBC because I pre-bowled the whole year, showed up for qualifying because I was bowling in the majors. Because with Thunder, like just where I was personally in YBC, like um, where I bowled at Mario's, um, I was the oldest in the league for women. And the next person behind me was two years. And then that was four, five. Like everybody was really, really younger than me. So there was no... Not that I'm saying that there weren't good bowlers there. It was just that level wasn't there for me. And I knew I, if I wanted to get better starting adult league when I turned 19, I needed to go to the majors and I needed to start bowling competitively because like it's it was very weird where the age gaps are here in town because like I only bowled a couple years with Alyssa Bonnie, but I never bowled with Katie Bonnie, Sam Sitar, like Wes Swalick, Greg Taylor. Like I was never... I would see them in passing maybe at a tournament or like on the bus when we were heading somewhere, but like I never got to walk to the bowl. We were never in the same division. So I knew if I wanted to get better, I needed to move up. So I, I did that and it paid off really, really well. I bowled as soon as I started in the majors, I bowled my first 400 and that was the third game into my first ever opens qualifying. Nice. So it was it was really awesome, and then I won the Masters the year after that, and it was just trying to get myself into that competitive swing there. And like I was on, I was really lucky because um, my team for YBC was a bunch of special needs boys, so that was it was super fun going back to YBC and bowling with them because I've known them since like we grew up together, right? So it was super super fun going back to YBC when I was there. So. It was lots of fun, lots of fun. And my 408 too, I wasn't even paying attention because that was the best part because I had a friend that came and come and watched me, Ashley Bakari, and we were just like talking and throw a ball and talking and throw a ball and talking and throwing a ball and I wasn't paying attention. And like my last frame, I threw a left and I spared it and I walked off and everybody's got their cameras out and was clapping. And I'm like, what's going on? They're like, that was your 10th frame. I was like, oh, throw the ball five. So I was just like... (laughs) <laughs> okay, that was that was cool, and you know, like a lot of people in that qualifying didn't know me because I never bowled with them. So like, I I think I scared a couple people into that qualifying. Like, hey, I'm here and I'm here to compete. So that was super super fun. But I know everybody has like different journeys of how they started competitively. Like some people maybe didn't bowl until they were adults. Yeah. So yeah. thanks, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice dig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I did beat her last night, and yeah. she was my captain. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and she hasn't sent me her consent form back. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've even got lots of people in Northern Ontario, right nearby, that that could do this. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I think we're all supportive in the project that you're doing and willing to be part of the survey, and and a lot of people across the country. So, get your consent forms in. Um, yes, yes. Contact Michaela. Don't expect her to track you all down. Yeah, Contact her. And please don't message me on Facebook. My Facebook Messenger will not like pop up that I have a message request. I have to physically go and refresh it every time I look. Mm. But yeah, email that email. Um, also, I should have put it on the form, but I didn't. Um, let me know what province you're representing because I also know people move. So like, mm. you know, like I grew up with Johnny McDonald. He went from Newfoundland to Saskatchewan, right? So like people yeah. move. So if you want to represent the province you grew up in or you want to represent the province that you're bowling in now, so if that that is well. 
Right. I think it's uh, I think it's really great you're doing this, and I think you're right by doing going with the competitive bowlers. Um, I mean, obviously we're pretty biased, but I think the community that we have as competitive bowlers is second to none. So if you're uh, being sociology, uh, that's that's definitely the area you want to you want to study for sure. It's super neat that you're doing this. I mean, there's lots of studies around where you you talk about the mental side of the game and. You could you could talk about you know the psychology of the game, but um, yeah, and and it's very comparable to golf and things like that. But it's super neat that we're finally going to have some sort of study on the community side of stuff, um, because that I really think is the strong suit of our game. It really is. Yeah, and it's it's you know how are like we have a very like we have associations and stuff like this. People just may like people don't realize how deep and how much planning this takes and how much dedication it takes. Like especially if you're like, you know, averaging 300 and winning all these cash tournaments, like one of the big names in you know bowling. And you know it's it's quite interesting, especially because you know if you're just starting out too, um, you know like learning about this stuff may push you to that's my goal too is you know hoping to you know push more people to try competitive mm-hmm. um i did want to do the interviews in person i really did but because of ethics board restrictions um i am not allowed to it has to be through zoom um so it's it's gotta it's gotta go through zoom which is gonna help um but i gotta go through after the interview's done and like redo the transcriptions because it already doesn't pick up what you're saying half the time anyway, and a Newfoundland and Quebec accent is just going to be really, <laughs> just, really great trying say. to yeah. figure out. Like, even, like, when I was bowling the Masters, too, like, for rookie night, I got asked if I could bowl, if I could do rookie night with the Newfoundland team because they were short people, and I was like, yeah, sure, I'll compete against my husband. Why not? That's super fun. I'm always com- I'm a competitive person, and, like, I remember Courtney was talking and she was like, oh, I spared a plug today. And I was like, yeah. and I'm like listening, trying to figure out what she means. And she was like, and then they were like, they were like, what do you mean? And she was like, oh, like, you know, put the middle through when I had this side swing over. I was like, oh, you spared a head pin. Okay. I'm on track now of what yeah, you're talking yeah. about. So it's just yeah. going to be interesting trying to get that transcription. It's like the it. Alberta cherry. Yeah. No, yeah. Nobody yeah. realizes the three pin is a, is a cherry in Alberta. Yeah. Oh man. So um are we gonna be able to read your your transcripts and everything else afterwards or um that will remain confidential. Um I will because um what people say and who is saying it, um if I need to quote somebody, um obviously they'll be using a fake name. Everybody will be assigned a fake name. Right. Um and I'll just quote like, Oh, this person from BC said this about this and um if any, I will be posting the study once I am done with yeah. it. Um, and I have on that consent form, if they would like a copy of it to leave their email and I will email them directly the study once it's done, but I probably won't be done probably about like August, September. Cause our, um, being in a master's uh, graduate program, our year works differently. So like an undergrad would do school from September to April. Um, a master's program is September to September. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like something that's going to be done overnight here. You've got no. 40 interviews to conduct. You've got to... Yeah, and then I have know, to go back school. and fix everything yeah. that gets said on that transcript. And, and this is the master's that we're doing here. This isn't the 
kindergarten report, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the quality of it needs to be a little bit higher. So. Yeah. 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 Well, my, my supervisor is a, is a theory prof, and that's like his thing. He loves doing theory. He's a very very smart man. So. Yeah. So he'll be. You had mentioned. He'll be really great. You had mentioned earlier. There's you know a number of different categories of the 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 research and the interview that you're going to do in. Can you somewhat walk us through maybe one question from each category without telling all that the four of us could then maybe answer just to you know run through something? We're not going to get through the whole interview for all four of us, but let's just go through some of the questions. And Plus, our an anonymity is uh, not really there. No, but I mean, maybe some of the questions are the yeah yeah you can't see me can you? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm comfortable with sharing my answers for people to see. I'm not comfortable with a, an entire hour and a half, but I'm, you know, there's mm. some things that I'll, I'm yeah, comfortable for sharing. Sure. Yeah, so I have like an interview guide. So all my questions have gone through ethics board and they have been approved of what I ask. Um, I also, if for some reason something pops up that's super interesting, then I'm like, oh, I want to elaborate further on that. Then I will ask another question that's not in my guide, but I have six parts to my interview guide. So part one is get, I'm going to ask you getting involved. Uh, part two is development um, of individual, individual versus team identity. Uh, part three is defining motivation and rewards, um, small team dynamics and competitive sport, uh, gender dynamics on the co-ed aspect of our sport. And then um, five pin uniquely part of Canadian culture is my, my last section there that I have. So hmm. very awesome. cool. Yeah, very different. So, um, there. Part so part one is just two questions, but um, one of the questions I have is, what made you guys start bowling competitively? Hmm. For for me, um, I was always a competitive kid in any sport that I did. I had two older brothers. And I started bowling at the age of five, six, um, you know, somewhat naturally gifted at all sports and bowling came fairly easy to me that I was able to quickly progress to being one of the better bowlers within my YBC league. And the drive to compete and honestly to beat my brother who was two years older than me was the first thing that drove me to compete. Um, and then, you know, started to see then from, you know, you had your intercities in Edmonton, we had an intercity rep. So once you hit your bantams and juniors and seniors, it was playing against other people across the city. And that's how we even deep relationships were formed. Um, you know, I was sort of always, I always bowled every year, um, but I didn't always tell people I bowled and somewhat used to say as a teenager, I was forced to bowl. My parents forced me to bowl, but secretly I loved it right because i was again good at it i was a really good soccer player when i was young so that was the one that i was and volleyball played club team played provincial team same as soccer provincial team so bowling was sort of my my third little one but secretly it was the one that i probably liked the most because you know again it was my own individual performance so as i got into you know later on in teenage years that's when the cash tournament started coming right and then that's when the social side of things started to see across the country and all these kg tournaments or you know the rose bowls or you know, the autumn opens, I started playing at 15, 16. So knowing that there was going to be a long future and you could see people right away, 50, 60, 70 years old, that were bowling it. So I knew that I could do the sport for the rest of my life and, and always do it. Whereas the soccer's and the volleyballs, you would sort of hit a peak 
and you got to start to take a break. And I did that, right? And I, but I always knew that bowling is something that I could do forever and can compete at it. Um, so, you know, like the, the competition level came, came really early, early to me and wanting to, you know, keep playing and keep competing. It's kind of neat. Uh, even Daryl, just listening to your, like the, the question seems so simple, like, how'd you get into competitive bowling, but yet there's a huge backstory to get to that situation, right? I think it's the same for everybody. Um, kind of the same lines for me as Daryl is, I was real active in other sports. Uh, unfortunately, our family didn't have a ton of money, so we got to choose one, what you would call an expensive sport, and mine happened to be baseball. It was summer, uh, lots of travel was involved. So my winter sport couldn't be an expensive sport, and bowling was cheap at that time so that was my winter sport my brother got the other choice he played hockey and then played school sports in the summer so um just with that aspect my parents both played and um go through ybc and like daryl said you rise to the ranks fairly quickly i had some i guess mentors or better players in ybc that were just ahead of me like mark johnstone uh, mark jackson happened to play in the competitive league gino did and they they bring you up through the YBC, right? They're there coaching you on your YBC, and then they ask you to come play scratch after. So you, you just follow along, and that was my introduction to competitive bowling, was just being introduced into the sport, succeeding fairly early, and then being asked to follow along with the probably the best players in out of our center, or out of our town, and stuff like that, so... I can remember, sorry, go, like the YBC days, on the coaches, Carrie, um, after our YBC, we would play a game against the coaches, and we'd put a dollar in or two bucks in, right? So you'd have the, the Rocky Morrows or the Wally Bridgets and the Ernie McClellans and Jim Bradshaws. They, all the coaches would then put their two bucks in, and I'd play a game against them, right? A couple of the YBC guys, Scott Rice's and Chris Hislop's, we'd all get to play a game. So there'd be $12 in the pot you're shooting for, right? And just that little subtle way of playing for something and playing a match and trying to beat your coach was, was huge, right? I'm sure that a lot of us did a similar way. Hmm. We, we were lucky. Our Monday YBC was kind of our big YBC league. We just played scratch right after, right? Monday scratch was the big uh, yeah. league right after YBC. And then yeah. there was a fun league after that. So you played 10 games on a Monday. That was kind of the YBC career for me, John Stone awesome. and... As idiots. Yeah. <laughs> for for us, we started when we were eight, um, and we started bowling when we were eight, I should say. And I don't know how super competitive we were our first year of bowling. Anyways, um, we my mom worked at the bowling alley, but we played indoor soccer, and they had changed the rules for indoor soccer where you get you had to pay to sign up for obviously, but then they made it so that the parents had to pay every time they had to go watch them play soccer. For so. Yeah. And yeah, they they were literally charging admission for my parents to go watch them play soccer for something they already paid for. My mom's like, not a fucking chance. If if, so, if, 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 if you know my mother, right? So yeah. that was the Seventeenth Street Soccer Center for sure. It was. Yeah, that no, was it was, it, it, it was, it was, we were in schools. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember yeah. that? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So so they pulled us from that and they said, "You're going to go into bowling." And the first year we didn't play all that great, but the second year. Um, we made four steps. We ended up going to provincials. We ended up coming in third in provincials. And then I remember being like, okay, sweet. If we came in third in provincials in our second year at Bantams, 
you know what? Maybe maybe we could be good at this, and maybe maybe we could make nationals next year. And then we got some good coaching. Um, that really helped. We had Tom Stevenson coach us, and that's that's a huge part of our competitive background. But I think a large part of like us being competitive is that we grew up with a great group of like five or six bowlers that we could constantly competed against each other. And for whatever reason, I've always felt like I've got something to prove from like the time we were in Bantams and we had some negative comments that were probably a mistake by people at the time. Um, but it drives you. It's like, okay, I'm going to get better. I'm going to prove these people wrong. And then, you know, you have that group of five or six people and, you know, you, you think that you're good, but, you know, one next time, you know, somebody all of a sudden takes a step and they're they're 10 or 15 pins higher than you and they're like, nope, screw that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be better than that. And you just you just keep finding your way along. And even even as I went into the Open, my first year of the Open, you know, I, I, I was first year at YBC and I basically, I, I, I hardly got to play at Provincials because I wasn't one of the veterans and uh you know I, I played very well um and i know that was a mistake too but it definitely was like okay you know what you've got something to prove you need to make a name for yourself and then you get higher up there and certain people make comments about your rankings and stuff and you're like all right i got something to prove you only have one more turn before adam takes you over right? pretty well and, that, and that's fine <laughs> But at the end of the day, you just always find like the little things to just motivate you, and and I think we've had that since we were kids, and um, yeah, well, it's just always something to prove. Try to be better than everybody else. To be, yeah, to, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I you know what with mine, I I, I I don't want to let it go to his head, but uh, my competitiveness is honestly is a lot to do with decks. Um, I I I wouldn't have participated in a lot of the events because I really did. I just played. I just bowled. Um, he he told me he's like oh TPC's coming up didn't know what TPC was I said why am I spending two hundred dollars for an event I just rather just spend it on a game or something no go play go play I was like okay so I spent my two hundred dollars right and, um, and I, that's how I got into cash tournaments same as you challenge I I just played the bowl um, and a lot of the times I, when I was um, unlike when I was making fun of Craig and myself earlier. Uh, I was uh, a very athletic person when I grew up. Um, I was good at a lot of sports. I was really he, good. In... He, he would run everywhere. The guy yeah. would never stop yeah. running. I he was... would run everywhere, okay. and now you can't get him to run. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but I, was, I was athletic, and I just I was naturally gifted in a lot of sports, and I just picked up bowling very well, right? And uh, um, so I, I, just, I just naturally gifted to it. I think, uh, unlike a lot of people out there, I think the reason why I – am competitive is uh a fear of failure i think what it is does that make sense i um i i, I hate failure and i and i don't want to be a failure so i will always find a way in order to, uh, and i'll be competitive in order to not be a failure does that make sense there's always a way i don't know that's how i always feel that, that i am right and uh um maybe that's not a chip on my shoulder it's just it's me personally um that's how I always been in competitive. It's not am I am I competing against you know as much as I'm playing a match against Carrie or Dexter or Daryl at a match. I'm playing against myself more than anything, and if I'm playing well enough, I'll I'll, I'll win that match. I've always been that way. A um, little bit different different view on a lot of things that way, I guess. But uh, 
Uh, again, right place, right time, like Destry mentioned. Uh, we were with Tom, and we were with a lot of other greats like that Bruce and Diane and Gino and Lynn and, and all those other people out there, and Daryl, like Daryl was there as well. And uh, we did right place, right time, and we learned to sport really well at an early age. Yeah, how old Once we got now? our feet wet in it. Once Sorry? we got our feet wet into the competitive side of stuff, we had the right people that dragged us along through it, absolutely. Yeah. What yeah, year like... were you born, guys? Uh, 87. So you're nine. So I would have been, I would have been working at the bowling alley when you guys started yeah. bowling as yeah, 15, 16, right? Yeah. And then I remember, I remember when Tom Stevenson came in and he definitely picked up the entire center in the Sunday night leagues and some of those guys, right? To, to play and all you, you did have a really good group of young YBC years coming out together, which was a huge difference for sure. Yeah. Like for me, especially too, like I, always did swimming or soccer or baseball and I was very athletic as a kid and I was getting sick of the swimming and the soccer and the baseball so my mom was looking through like that the key that comes out with a whole list of everything and she's like do you guys want to try bowling and my dad was like oh yeah because my dad was a 10 pin YBCer from southern Ontario and he was like 10 pin and I remember they were like no let's go to five pins so <laughs> off we went and like for me, I've always been very competitive. That's just like who I've been. I love like I don't like losing, so I love I love the aspect of it. And like my like third or fourth year into bowling, I went all the way to nationals. And I remember it was like my first or second year bowling. I was the backup for the four step team for I, can't, I don't know if it was Bantam or Junior. And um, I was. I've had practice. I had thrown practice balls and it was like minutes before this tournament started and the girl who they thought wasn't coming came and I was so devastated and I'm like, I'm never missing a team again. So from there on, it was just bowling, bowling, bowling. And then I think a big part of the competitive aspect too is how you do in YBC. Cause if you don't pick it up in YBC and you're not good in YBC, you know, like what's that motivation for you for adult league? That that's a big aspect as well. Cause a lot of people didn't, do well in YBC just because they had all of these great people above them that they had to compete against. And, you know, in like Northern Ontario, like my situation was very different because like all of these great people were 10 years older than me. So I, I, I couldn't even watch because they were in a completely different division. So I had no idea what was going on there. Right. So it was just the fact that like, you know, I really liked it and I was good at it and I just kept pushing. And then, like a lot of the good bowlers that were like in my division just got sick and tired of it and dropped out. And so like my ranking got higher and, and Sam, um, almost 10 years older, um, you know? And so it just, it was just that. And like getting into the competitive sphere too, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know a lot of people. So when I joined the majors, I was the, I was the youngest. So I was the youngest in that league walking in that year. And it was a lot of people didn't really talk to you because they didn't know you. And like, you know, you're trying to make relationships with these people. And then we ended up having a very dramatic year at the open. And that was my first open. So after that provincial, you know, um, your, the relationships with the people that bowl the majors and, you know, grew quite a bit. And so that just, that kept motivated and, and now I was in C division for the, the majors for the longest time. And my average was like sitting at like 215-ish. And um, I really like bowling against men as a woman and just like coming out of the gate and then just seeing them like shit a brick. <laughs> Super fun. 
and it's 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 a lot it's a lot of um a lot of fun because like you know i didn't really have any of these really amazing people that came to coach like none of the big names that you know that could have been there that didn't come to coach so like i didn't really have any big name coaches that came and took me under their wing it took me as an adult to put myself in those situations to put myself into competitive and after that it's been it's been really really fun meeting new people and you know like um youth challenge was my first interactions with the tickets and um i was anchor for a lot of me growing up in YBC. That was just my position and I loved it. And um, I remember me and Tyler were shot for shot at Youth Challenge until the last frame when I hung a corner pin and he beat me by like two or something like that. And it was yeah. like a really good match. And like, you know, because mm. Tyler, like I had no idea who he was because I haven't bowled with him that often. And I think Tyler's a couple years younger than me too. So, yeah, yes, yeah. you know, so like, seeing him like come out of the gate like that and like trying to keep up with him was super fun for me and it's it's a lot of fun and now i was talking with sam too because sam's my captain on tuesdays now and um i was averaging really well before COVID hit and i was like oh my god i'm gonna be in b division like oh i'm like freaking out and she's like you, you need to get there to get better and i've been consistently averaging 230 now and it's been a lot of fun and it's been really great to get better at and it's it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot of fun yeah it's it's funny talking like about ybc and you know what you know whether their success played into you know carrying on into the adults and stuff like that and it's really funny especially at the younger ages um bantams for us you know we, we made nationals when we were a bantam and instantly hooked like i wanted to be there as often as I can, I'd motivated to be there every year if we could. The other side of it too, though, especially at the bantam age, is we we know people who made nationals as a bantam and never wanted to compete again. Yeah, never wanted any part of it because too it all depends sense. on how you handle that sort of yeah um, that sort of pressure. Um, the the girl I'm talking about uh, was a highly competitive and high end ringette player and loved it but does not, did not like the national experience, did not like the pressure that came with that. And it, mm -hmm. But it's a different kind of sport, too. You know, ringette, it's, you know, you can go out there. She was, she was an enforcer. She mm -hmm. should go out there and she would hit people and run around. You could you could do all those things and get the aggression out, and it's more of a, a reactionary sort of sport as opposed to what our, what our sport is, and it's a completely different kind of pressure. So I think it's interesting talking about that side of stuff. Yeah, I was I was actually going down a different route in my head when Dexter brought that up about bantams and and bowling and, and YBC being successful. I I think there's two different ways. If you're successful in YBC and you, when you become an adult, it it can obviously create you confidence and get you on the right path. I also think it can be a detriment sometimes too because uh, especially if you're like a big fish in YBC with the way the numbers are. And then you go to go to the adult ranks, and all of a sudden you're a small fish in a big pond. Um, it, it can be very uh, disheartening, I guess you can say, right? And uh, I think I think it's a bigger, steep learning curve. I think sometimes. Yeah, like for me, like I know they changed the rules for YBC now. You have to be eight to go to nationals and compete in like the four. I know it's not called four steps anymore. The four steps events there, mm -hmm. and like, um, like for me too, like 
you know, missing basically my last year of YBC, going to the majors, I was at the bottom of the barrel again. And I was like, I'm not staying here. I am going to climb my way up, but I'm not going to be like, oh, the person who comes in after like, you know, being a YBC kid and, you know, just going to come in the majors. I wanted to like get up there and be like, hey, like I will be a good draft pick, you know, come and pick me. And we did, we did really well. So. Mm -hmm. Um, you would try, man. Sorry. Yeah, no, no worries, no worries. Um, you guys were going on the YBC thing, so that kind of brought up an interesting question. I kind of thought of is how much do you think that is they didn't get hooked on the national experience or the success of it, or life just kind of gets in the way, unfortunately? Because in my YBC days, like obviously Mark Johnson was a, a year older or two years older. But then we had a big group of there was like six, seven, eight of us that were super competitive. We make the four steps teams, the challenge teams and stuff like that. And out of that group, I'm the last one playing. They're, none of those players are playing anymore. And even you look farther down into our YBC program, Eric Chose rings a bell. He's the next player out of that whole YBC group. There's really me, Johnstone, and Eric Chose out of that whole YBC program, one of the most successful YBC programs in Central Alberta for a long time. It, I don't know if it's just success wasn't an, wasn't the issue, or maybe it was the issue. We never got to go to nationals, and it just didn't hook those players to keep playing, or if it was just life that gets in the way, or like Tim said, they're big fish in YBC in Central Alberta, and then you hit the adult ranks, and you all of a sudden you're finishing last at every Masters tournament and that deters you to play anymore, right? And, and, and I think, honestly, you're right, Carrie. I, I think it's a lot. Maybe we're not doing uh, our due diligence in encouraging these people or helping them out. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Sometimes I know people are going to drop out regardless. Um, I've always thought about it. But how many times, like, and I'll say this in the Edmonton zone, uh, there's a lot of kids that came out that were hot shot uh, about, 10 years ago and they were like I'm making the open team no one's going to beat me and and you know what they tried out for three straight years bottom of the barrel and they never, they never played again right and maybe we should have done something better or helped them out or encouraged them a different way or maybe that was just their way of the path right and and I don't know what that is um, but we see it we see it a lot right and I understand because the other thing is schooling schooling's big like yeah. Exactly what you know. Uh, what we're going, we're talking about right now. School becomes a big factor, and then you know, there's other things in life. Tyler's dealing with it right now, right? I mean, Tyler's going through school, and he's trying to balance bowling and everything else like that. It makes it real tough, right? So you know, I think that's something to be considered too. Is for as many people, and I talk to the guys at the automobile, as many people there are across the country that bowl, the people at the elite level the higher wcbt if you will level is a very very small percentage of the people the bowl across the country you're talking 0.001 percent of the people in canada are on tour so that's the elite level of people that we're talking about 100 people if you will you know sure there's maybe 150 but give or take there's so 150 people call it that's as high as you can get and there's 10 of them from Alberta, 10 of them from Saskatchewan, 10 of them. So you have to be the top 10 within your, you might be really good in your own city, your own good in YBC, but once you get into that big world, 
um, you're not as good anymore. And it just, it, it takes a lot of work to be that level for that long too. And it takes, you know, you, life comes in the way. There's lots of reasons for coming in the way, but it's, yeah. It, it, yeah. it's such a small group that we're talking about here at the highest level of the game. And, and when you, when you get to that point, when you, when you're at that point where it's like, Hey, like this is, I, I'm, I'm not at the highest level of the game anymore because I've moved out into this. That's when you're faced with a choice and your choice is yeah. either you're going to, you're going to make it a priority and you're going to put in the work and you're going to find ways to improve or you're not. Right. And then it's, it doesn't just happen. I you think know, it's going to be neat to see this. Yeah. I think it's going to be neat to see the study to understand the, the mental side of all these competitive players and why they're still involved. Like, like you said, it, it's going to be, there's going to be a, an overlapping um, thing going on for sure. It's going to be a drive. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I really think so. Um, because like a lot of those players I was talking about in YBC, they're easily better than I was and they had a lot more talent at it, but they didn't have the drive. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of you guys bring up the schooling issue and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a, there was a mixture. There were some people that went to school. There were some people that went straight into the workforce. There was, so there's a, there's a ton of different um, things going on. It was just the drive to continue on, I think is the, the main deciding factor on all of it. So, yeah. And, and like sorry. what I've noticed too, as well as like, especially with like my generation of kids and watching the younger kids, um, a lot of parents figured out, Oh, their kids are good at bowling. I'm going to make them come practice three times oh, a week. Yeah. They're going to bowl in every tournament. They're not going to bowl in any other sports. Kids need other sports to focus on. Cause I, yeah. a lot of couple of bowlers that I grew up with that were so good. were so sick and tired of their parents dragging them out to practice three times a week that they quit. And like yeah. with a lot of the, like with you guys, with the top WCBT players too, versus like me and Tyler's age group, we don't have careers yet. We're still in school. And now, right now too, like my husband too is at that um, problem right now where, you know, people want five years experience before they can even look at your resume, right? So he's working contract work right now. And if that's his only way to get in for that five years experience, he's got to sacrifice bowling to get a career because once that career is yeah. established, then bowling's fine. So it's, it's just one of those, things right now where like you know the job market everybody you know it went from just go you can work whatever and then to nope we need you to have high school nope we need you to have high school and college nope we need you to have high school and university and now people want master's degrees five years experience like it's it's crazy just trying to get you know in there too and you know like i i have a parent that his kid was very close to quitting ybc and um when i went to moose jaw well we were Everything was in Regina, but our bus went to Moose Jaw that year for 2011. And um, I bought the, they were like little moose and stuffies that had like necklaces on them with names. And um, we actually found one with my coach's name on it. So he was Mitch the Moose with Mitch Parker as our coach. I use that moose and I stick him with my bantams in the middle of the lane at the arrows. And they have to try and hit Mitch the Moose out of the way. And I had did that with kids and kids were having fun coming to bowling now. So I had kids that were gonna quit that now stayed. And like that competitive aspect too, my brother was very close to quitting. He was like, I'm done. I don't want to bowl anymore. Cause he had to come with me to all my provincials. He had to come with me to my nationals. So he was like, yep, I'm close to quitting. I don't want to do this anymore. And then he made nationals and he was like, I'm staying. So it's, it just depends. It's different yeah. for everybody, especially what province you're in too. Like compared to like Northern Ontario to you guys, like you guys have way more 
people to worry about to get on a team for anything where like sometimes in northern ontario like there was my first year in the open we didn't even have enough women to make a mixed team we had to hold a second qualifying to get enough women to make a mixed team mm-hmm. where like some some you know areas it's just so hard to even touch a mixed team and like i feel like the competitive aspect too with averages and stuff has like completely dropped like i think i qualify my first year trying to qualify for youth challenge i threw like a 217 ish average i didn't even touch a mixed team where like now if you look at that you're like man i would have been like first place like you know you look back at the scores that you had to what's happening now and it's just like you know as a coach and as a competitive bowler, you're like, how, how do we fix this? How do we get more kids wanting to be competitive and, you know, try out for these? And like Youth Challenge, we barely have any kids signing up for Youth Challenge anymore. And there was one year, one of the centers forgot to tell their kids about Youth Challenge. Oh, we were missing an entire center of kids because they forgot to tell their kids about Youth Challenge. So it's just, it's- Only one of the biggest events of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, I have I have a question. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's uh, we're talking about being competitive. Uh, maybe for you guys that play on tour um, or masters of the open, is is it about building resumes now? Is it is it about building your resume in a way? I mean, like let's be honest. You you want to you want to have your your gold medals. You want to have your tour wins. You want to have your master wins. Right. I mean, let's be honest. I think I think that's what we've got in like in least in Alberta. That's what it sort of feels like a little bit is building a resume. But the only person I'll, I was because I, I had a discussion. I was talking to Greg about this uh, on Monday. Gig luck, right? And uh, and the only person out there that I think that never ever cared about anything. And I don't know why he was even competitive. It makes me well, not why he was, but it makes you wonder. It was Bruce. This never ever like it just. He, nothing ever defined him when it came to bowling, right? Uh, he he could take it or leave it. He could, you know, and he just he could walk away from the sport when he was ready. In a way, you know. Um, I don't. I don't know if you if you have a biased look at that. I I've seen Bruce upset, super yeah. super frustrated with his personal game. This isn't a team event. It was at no. an individual event, right? But so. I, it, I know, it's there. I, I he just didn't show it. I, I know. I, I, but he, but I, he's a super competitive guy. Yeah. But I, I think I think the interesting thing, and it's something uh, that Tim could touch on too. But you know, he I don't I don't know how much he was like really worried about building a legacy when he came in and he literally handed us all of his awards. So but I also, need, you I guys, don't need any of this. he already legacy, had it built. <laughs> his legacy was already built before you guys started getting competitive, right? Yeah. No. So for his, sure. Six tournament wins, yeah. his number of wins. So, yeah. his he was doing at a later point not building a resume. He was doing at a later point for enjoying the game and but, love of the game. Right? Yeah, but he already knew that he had cemented in one of the best of all times with guys like Fraser Hamblick. Right? That had outstanding resume. I, I, I mean, there was there's there's three guys that maybe would come to your list for the top of all time. But right? I, I don't. I don't. But I don't think. I don't think. I just don't think bowling ever defined him. Right? Does that make sense? I don't think it ever. Like he he, he could. Uh, it never it, was. It, it never. Really, it, it, it wasn't on his tombstone, right? <laughs> Let's put it that way, right? I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it would be that yeah. way. But um, but, but for us, first question but too, for us now, like, I think that's what, what what it is now. For sure, because we we grew up with those people, and and so we we want to be held in the same esteem as people like that, as Gino and Mark Jackson and those people. We we want to we want to build a legacy. We want to be. Yeah. 
ultimately people want to be remembered, right? And this and this is our way of being remembered. Yeah, by stats. Sometimes you remember by stats. For me, um, there's a couple of things on the stats that I'd like to you know knock off. Um, so yeah, building a resume is somewhat important by the time maybe you're 50, right? You want to make 20 opens or you want to, I'm not a master's player, you know, a number of cuts or maybe a cash tournament. But, you know, I, I also recognize that my numbers are never going to be as high as any of your threes. So I measure my stats in a different way than your three from a statistical standpoint. So me, part of mine is the give back is the Edmonton five pin, the A5, the C5 I sat on the boards, the WCBT, the five pin U stuff, the the shirts, you know? So mm -hmm. sure, in a way, you know, that's my measurement and my legacy eventually, you know, 20 years from now when this game's maybe when, when I'm done, but I, I mean, I got a long ways to go, a lot of things to do, but it's not about building a, 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 a resume. Um, it's giving back and doing the right things. And at the, at the end of that, sure, your resume looks pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that's an interesting take. I, I like that, Tim. Um, uh -huh. I think I think you're right. I think a lot of a lot of the people, probably playing on tour now with the with the WCBT and the tour finals and stuff like that. Obviously, we we've kind of instituted that, right? You have to have a resume to make it to the tour finals. You got a place in these tournaments, and you, even the C five has instituted that. You want to make the Hall of Fame? You need to build a resume. You need to be mm -hmm. a part of this. You need to do that. So the culture has built that into what's going on. When Bruce was playing at the best, there wasn't a Hall of Fame. There wasn't the top 100 was released kind of thing. So I don't know if it was so much about building the resume. It was just literally when Bruce was at his best and Lynn and all of them traveled, mm -hmm. it was about bringing home money, right? Bringing home money for the next vacation, bringing home your your own accolades for yourself. So it wasn't wasn't so much about building your trophy wall. It was more of about hanging out with your friends and doing that kind of thing. Where we've kind of switched that around. We're, we've built it into that kind of culture now. Like, sure. let's build your resumes. Let's get you into these tour championships. And fifty years from now, when this is still going, and we've had the WCB tour for fifty years, you can look back and be a guy made fifteen tour finals. You know, he's, he's you know average numbers i mean the, the statistics that we can come to and the resume that we can build in the next 50 years because i feel like with the groundwork is there not is now mm -hmm. there yeah, so right so don says how many 20th century great bowlers do you remember well don i remember you and uh <laughs> and i remember uh actually don threw the perfect game in thunder bay i believe it was in 83 in the open i he won the out there nice. so yeah but you're 20, right. I mean, 20th uh, century. It's literally everybody in the top 100. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's the, 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 the 80s <laughs> to the 2000s, 80s and 90s. Sure, a bunch of us remember. I mean, we could go through those lists of, of those yeah. guys, but we don't remember the 70s and the 60s and the 50s and the guys that came before us and pioneered the way and played on the original wood lanes and all the, you know, the counter pins and all these all-time greats. No, we're, we're we're totally remiss to not know those names, Don. Absolutely. Yeah, because um, there, there's not, there wasn't a structure to put them on a pedestal to show them yeah. across the country. Well, actually, there kind of was, right? Now we we have this uh, five-pin bowling board game that uh, was dug out of the basements yeah. and stuff like that. That there was yeah. a there was a player on the cover of it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find that again. Uh... So there was stuff that 
I guess it just wasn't continued. Maybe it lost money or there wasn't something, there wasn't enough money behind it to continue building those people's resumes, if we want to call it that, or market them and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. You don't need a lot of money to market somebody now. We have social media that expands all of Canada. and Perhaps a cool project that Don Sim would want to be a part of is let's profile 20 all-time greats that would have bowled pre-1980, right? And let's go through some of these stats that these guys would have played. And Don Sim, you're a great person to chat with. You know, Walter Heaney's and these guys that, um, you know, a lot of them out there uh, that can, can talk about some of the, the, the great players from the 70s and 80s, 60s and the 50s and those guys, right? Like Frank Levine, absolutely, right? We, we, when we, all the tournament titles, um, you know, Frank Levine was the one who first first five of every tournament, Autumn Open, TPC, or Rose Bowls. Like his name was on everything, wasn't it? So this was yeah, looks like yeah it was Autumn done, Open for sure. This looks like it was done by the actual lanes. So 1961, oh, okay. Allen Court Lanes did this, but it's a dice game for five pin bowling. And if you Jimmy. sent in ten cents to the lanes, you could be part of the Jimmy Holt. Fan club. That's definitely drinking beer. You know, that's a great thing is to memorialize these all-time great bowlers that have played in forefront. You know, we've got the deck of cards idea, right? There's lots of ideas out there to and make sure that they're remembered and the people that have played the game at the highest level before us to be recognized, not just by simply saying top 100 of all time. How can we? How can we build on that? Right. Yeah. yeah, and with like social media and stuff too, and like speaking of like financial constraints too, like a lot of people may be amazing bowlers in their provinces, but don't have the money to go do the WCBT, and they've got time, mm-hmm. like they have to budget their time off when they use it. And you know, like I know 2020 last year, um, Philip and I got married, and we were like, what tournaments do we want to do? Um, how are we going to budget our time off? You know. Because, you know, we need to team off for the wedding. Do we want to do the Open? Do we want to do the Masters? And then we were like, Philip wanted the Open, but it was like, you know what? Like, Masters makes more sense because it's paid for by our proprietor at the bowling alley because we coach. So I'm like, you got to sacrifice a lot of stuff. And, you know, you may have these people who are, like, great bowlers that just don't have the finances to get to the WCBT and stuff that are want to be on those lists. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And the eight gamer came from that. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly why we do the eight gamers so the people can play in their locals. And yeah. I'd like to see that, you know, continue modified in a different way. But that's exactly what it is uh, of, of getting this, you know, the, the people out there. And then once they play and get the taste of that event, they want to play in the TPC coming up or they're going to be like, I'm going to come to Regina. Right. I never knew about this whole world of cash circuits, but you're the best in your own little Dawson Creek. Right. And yeah, now the like- guys, right. The Latondras, they're in. Right? Yeah, that's right. Now like, all of a sudden they're at the autumn open. They're coming to the TPC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philip and I would be watching the, uh, the like the WCBT final matches that were getting put out every mm. week, and we're at Friday night watching these. And people are like, "Oh, what are you watching? Like, where is this? What is this for?" And like, you know, like, "Oh, like go check them out. Like, you can go watch old past matches. Like, you know, you know, people from Thunder Bay have won this. Like Taylor and Greg, and you know, and Taylor and Greg are on there, and like you know, people that they would know. And especially yeah. with my YBC kids too. Like some of them, you know. 
I have a couple kids that copy any form that they see around the bowling alley. If it's a 10 pin or bowling, they're like, I'm going to try that and see what works. And it's like, please don't do that. Yeah. You know, like for, for a while too, like um, you have obviously seen Tyson Nelson bowl in his form there. You know, a lot of kids want to copy that. We're like, please don't. I bowled with him at the autumn open and he was just bombs blowing it's, it away it's but so yeah, funny so we did the the level two course and like everything that they say not to do tyson <laughs> does and it's so funny because like looking at tyson like he shouldn't bowl as good as he does and he's amazing yeah. and like watching yeah. if you ever get the chance go walk onto the lanes and watch him from the front he looks like he's gonna get drunk and fall over but he's such a good bowler and he's he just looks so silly bowling and like with these kids i'm like i'm like here i, I tell their parents i said this is a tournament that's run and it's done by really amazing bowlers and i'm like you know go you know put it on the tv have the kids watch it i'm like there's you know not going to be any big swearing like you'll be they'll be okay and like you know watch this tournament i'm like it's a very competitive tournament and you know like it's very cool to watch and you know it's it's a lot of fun i show it to all my ybc kids that are interested in the, the competitive aspect you know where we try and invite them be like hey like the opens this weekend you know try like come and watch like we'll be there like your coaches will be here like come and watch some of these competitive bowlers right so mm -hmm. try and get it out there to get them to come watch yeah we appreciate it that that's awesome to hear that you guys uh help promote that kind of stuff and i it, it's neat um we started the eight gamer and this pro league stuff and the, obviously the WCBT has been running for five plus years now and producing these shows and hearing the feedback like people oh we put it up at our center on the TV so people can watch it when they're bowling and stuff like that it, that's what the sport needs more of it needs the the sharing it needs the in the leagues the existing bowlers need to yeah, be supported like, in league bowl regular league bowlers they need to idolize the yeah and like you we need, were watching you need to promote it yeah, we were watching it on Friday night. We had a couple of people who were following along with it. They're like, I haven't watched it yet. Don't tell me who won that match. And you're like, don't spoil it for me. So we were talking about it. And one of the guys that bowls with us was like, I didn't watch the match yet. You spoiled who won it for me. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty oh, funny. So, so it was just like Squid Games, right? Mm-hmm. Tim. Let's not talk about Squid Games. <laughs> Let's go to maybe one more question or some you know random topic there, Michaela. Of your, of your sure. Um, that took so... us twenty five minutes or half an hour. To do one, so I don't know how long we got. For, <laughs> yeah, no, no. For, then, for one out of each category, Let's keep it Tim, short. Tim's gonna have to repeat his answer for me when I do his interview anyway. So yeah, um, We'll do my part three. So uh, defining motivation and rewards. So one of my questions is. Uh, how do you stay motivated to practice and improve when bowling competitively? Do you feel an obligation to your team, to yourself, or both? So if it if you qualify for a team, I definitely feel an obligation to practice for my team. There's 100% that's got to be a big stressor is you don't ever want to let other people down. It you can handle it yourself if you know you didn't put in the work, you didn't put in the effort to succeed. But if you're letting other people down, that's got to be a huge, I don't know, it would drive me up the wall if I knew somebody came to provincials or nationals and they didn't play very well. And then you hear that they didn't throw a ball since whatever, since qualifying. That that would be very hard for me to hear. So I don't ever want to do that to somebody else. Um, individual wise, I think it's 
depends where your game's at. If your game is, if you're playing really well, practice probably isn't a huge stepping stone, right? It, you don't worry about it. But if you're not playing well, it, it definitely, if you want to be competitive, then it comes up. But I think if you're playing well, I don't, I don't see practice being a big, big thing. Unless, uh, unless it's built into your routine already. Yeah. Right. Right. For me, my motivation to practice is as high as it's ever been when it comes to bowling, because I know that the the difference for me from missing a cut by sixty pins to making the cut by at least sixty pins is practicing, and it's cleaning up on the second shots, the spares, the picking corners, the the, the missing you know spares, um, and if I don't, then I definitely don't have only myself to blame. So I don't want to blame myself anymore. I want to give it everything I possibly can. If I could go to the lanes every day, I think about bowling every day. I'd like to go every day, but obviously work and time and you just can't, right? But I'm more motivated to practice now, to belong, to, to prove that I belong at one of those, you know, the making the cuts four out of five events. Um, so yeah, the, the motiv- motivation now I think is higher than it's ever been, right? I've just always been a, oh, well, I didn't even play leagues for a number of years and I, ma- I still made open teams. So I was one of those guys that Kerry was talking about. I would make open teams, not playing leagues, and then I wouldn't practice, and I'd show up at Provincials and I'd play. Right, play mediocre, half okay, 250, 260, but not, you know, really, you know, sure. I should have gone and practiced earlier. I just wasn't necessarily in the right mental mindset to practice and to play a bunch. So I was, I was just sort of, ah, I don't, I don't need to, right? My game is good, but the reality is no, it wasn't, right? Um, I mean, you can make teams yeah. and you could, you could qualify, but you couldn't really get it to be you know your stud you weren't the anchor on the team but if i would have practiced maybe it would have been the anchor instead i'm a i'm a three hole right like so yeah so uh, um i actually have a different train of thought like always um i think i'm a little bit and i'll probably give her a different answer um (laughs) but um as of this moment um i will say that uh for team sports carrie and carrie can also has a detriment when it comes to uh, team sports. Here in Edmonton, we make a team for the Open, for example. Um, we have a couple designated team practices with Central. They're so far out, they don't necessarily have an opportunity to do that, right? So that's where they're kind of on their own onus with that. Um, but uh, that being said, out here, I would probably just practice um, with our team practices. Um, I wouldn't actually go and practice by myself unless I, unless I was struggling, right? And I wanted a couple more reps. Um, when it comes to singles-wise, it's the same thing. I, I I won't practice unless I'm struggling. Or me, you know what? I'm 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 going to try this year, and I did do it before the autumn to throw some extra balls ahead of time, um, just because we haven't played a whole lot. Um, you mean but, you mean your pre-ball? No, no. I actually stayed after to work on Tuesday and did some more extra work and stuff like that. But uh, I will say that um, uh, when we, we were actually redoing our lanes, um, when we were switching over synthetic, I did not throw a single ball between uh, Open Nationals in 2019 and Masters Nationals, and I showed up and I whooped Tyson Nelson's ass. So I do want to point that out. <laughs> uh, but, but besides that, um, I actually, if, if I actually had a chance to do something, I would want to... Other than practice, I would actually want to probably go see a sports psychologist and work on on health more, like go to a chiropractor more, go to massages more, and work on that stuff more than the physical game. Um, I think that would be more of a, a plus for me right now because 
like right now I'm kind of a little bit of a mind funk on doubles and triples and I just I talk myself out of it I think a sports psychologist would be better and I think like just getting my body in feeling better um, ahead of time for tournaments it would probably be more of a, a plus for me I think have you, have you thought about nutrition so I guess you know Tim and this is a question for Tim and Dex and some of the other proprietors out there I think we have, you know Jeff Young I think has said it before and you know maybe Jeff England and you own a bowling alley you work at a bowling alley why are you not practicing five days a week you know, I, I, get, I, I get that you you're there and you're working but that's something to me that's crazy. Um, and I, you know, when I used to work at the bowling alley, I bowl every day that I work. Yeah, I'll, I'd be I guess there, probably middle of shift, and that's why I got fired. I, but anyway, I, you know, I, I would always probably. throw balls before, and I'm cleaning the rack later on. I would always throw balls. I just constantly throw balls. Uh, so no. it's it's hard to to hear and sad in a way that you guys aren't practicing three days to a be, week. To, to be honest with you, you know what you know what's the most annoying thing in the world is when you're actually trying to practice and you have. Joe Blow from your league over there, three lanes over, that wants to come fucking talk to you. Like, I, I just want to. I bowl. agree. I just, I just, I just want to bowl. Just leave me the fuck alone, right? And, and sorry, your prof is going to hear this, but, uh, <laughs> but, but that's exactly what it is, right? So I rather just come early in the morning, or sometimes I stay late on Tuesdays. Nobody's there. It's just us, and I can just, I can just beat it myself. Like, you should um, be. You have the greatest but, opportunity to. But. You're already, you're, no. you're already there. You're already dealing with it all the time. It just, you yeah. just don't, you just want a time away from the center, right? Yeah, working in a bowling alley is exhausting, especially when it's open plate and you've got drunk assholes. And like, I work, I work day shift. So, Amario's usually has league twice a day, every day. So, like, when I'm off shift and I have to pre bowl, I have all of my regulars, like or like people from the lunch rush just like oh she bowls and then like, i have like 12 people standing behind me or i've got like my senior bowlers like 55 plus bowlers like oh you bowl like how you doing you know and i'm just like i want to practice and go home like yeah because like i'm at on the night shift i work until like one o'clock in the morning sometimes and like my pro my proprietor bill his two daughters both bowl and people always ask him all the time like how come they're not averaging like super super high because like you guys basically own this place how come they're not here and they go there's they're kids. It's a work, it's like you know, work-life balance, right? Like you don't want to be here all the time, because yeah, and I, and you I, need the work-life yeah. balance. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying, and and on top of that, Daryl, I wouldn't say we have the greatest opportunity, you know, because like I mean, my, my chances are bowling first thing in the morning, or a lot of times for me it's, you know, midnight because. You know, if we are busy in the afternoons, or I'm I'm never going to work during shift because I've got enough other things to do. But um, you know, even even after shift, if we're busy, like we are the last people to take lanes. Right? Yeah. So, there's um, there's sure. days where I go and go practice, or like me and Philip go practice, and same thing with Mario's. If you're a coach, you bowl for free. So if you yeah. come to come practice, you bowl for free. But when it's busy and they need the lanes you're not the priority anymore because you're not paying to be there. Yeah. So yeah. they'll come up to you and be like, hey, we need the lanes, you gotta go. But so I, I will say this though, I think all of us can attest on this, working at a bowling center, and when you work at a bowling center, regardless whether you're on shift or not, and you're actually bowling something, I think your mental game is actually better. Only reason why I'm saying, league bowling, you're bowling, somebody asks you a question, you're running over here, you're doing this. Right, you know, there's a carry can attest for the tour. Daryl's been there with plenty of other things, same as Dex. Your mind's everywhere else, but so when it comes to something like a tournament or something else, 
your focus level, I think my mental game when it comes to focusing is usually a whole lot better than I think everybody else's because I'm used to all the distractions already, right? I'm, I'm used to Gino yelling and swearing three lanes over. Oh, I don't even hear that. That doesn't even, that even affect me, right? Just your shoe, shoe squeaking. My shoe, my, hey, that, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't affect me. That affects you, right? I'm, <laughs> I, I'm the one throwing it. So, so I think we're going to have to come up with a decibel level uh, yeah. for the WCBT. If it reaches a certain, nope. you get your shoe taken. Oh, I guess, this, I guess this, my comment, yeah. Tim, is just an index is that yeah. throw 10 minutes worth of corner picks, right? And I get that you're too busy and you got a lot going on. It just it's hard for me to, no, to for sure. accept that as an excuse because of that. I mean, I spend long hours in my office and I would do more for my work as much as I could. Um, yeah. you know, but, but you don't, I, you don't want to go home and design a shirt for fun. Yeah, but I do. I go home and yeah. I spend my evenings answering emails or looking up websites sure. or doing different yeah. stuff or talking on podcasts and yeah. you know, for sure. whatever. Yeah. Right. So, but doing those things for work as opposed to doing them for your personal life is, yeah, no, is uh, yeah. different. We'll, but yep. to answer your question about about practice, I'm I'm about the same as Carrie, you know. Uh, team stuff, I will absolutely make sure that I go in and throw some balls ahead of time. Um, I don't want to be shitty for my team. That's the last thing ever. I'll put full effort in the entire time. Single stuff, um, if I'm struggling, I will absolutely go in. Um, uh, it's again pro- probably an ego thing. I don't want to be shitty. Um, I want to be good. I don't want to be known as shitty, so I make sure that I go in and I practice, you know. Uh, but that that's really only if I'm struggling. Um, but team team for sure, I'll definitely make sure. Uh, like I said, never want to be bad. And again, you know, finding finding reasons or you know things to prove to people. I remember before Open Provincials one year, I had somebody tell me that I was going to be riding pine the entire time because I was terrible because I was punching lots on Wednesday nights, and I promptly drove him home and then turned around and went back to the bowling alley and worked on my game and I'm pretty pretty sure I was all star that year. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. welcome for taking you to Nationals. Shut up. Uh, there was one year at the open, I don't know why we thought this was a good idea, but like our ladies team always makes enough like jello shots and pudding shots to fill the mini fridge in the hotel. So we were all bowling really bad, picking our corner pins. I can't remember who had idea with it. It's probably with Sam's, and they're like, "Okay, every two pin, like every corner pin square you miss, you have to go take a tequila Jello shot out of the mini fridge." <laughs> that didn't help. I had like I had to go take thirteen when we got back from the hotel. Yeah, that was oh, that was super yeah. fun. But yeah, like yeah. for like for me for practice too, like because like if I have multiple leagues a week, I I for me I I can't keep going out more because like. For me, it was just, it was too much for me. Yeah, of course it was Sam's. And like for the, for Master Nationals, the year that um, we, we won and everything, the only person on my team from my city was Katie. And our coach lived in Sudbury. So for, it was the motivation to go out and practice because I have nobody to practice with. I have nobody to keep myself in check at practice besides me. And like same thing with the open. Uh, lately, our coach um, has been from Sudbury. We haven't had a coach from Thunder Bay coaching the ladies' team from Thunder Bay. So, as a team, we go out to practice together. And Sam and Katie usually run the practices. Like Katie will be like, I think it's usually Katie that's like makes a list of what we have to do. So you have to hit five two right two pins in a row without missing or clipping the three pin. If you miss, you have to reset and do it again. Then you do the other side for the two pin, and then you have to hit the middle five times in a row, but it has to be spareable. 
if not you reset and do it again and that was that was really nice because like you grow up in YBC and have a certain set of coaches and you get to adult league and you have a certain set of coaches, but you also have teammates that are, have way more experience than you that have really good, you know, tips and tricks of how to practice and do all this stuff. And like one of the practices that I make my YBC kids do that I did, uh, but she made us do is you had to go one pin per ball. So you started at, you do two pin, two pin, three pin, three pin, head pin. You had to do that multiple times in a row before you could sit down. And I make my kids do that, and it's it's. I'm gonna that's have awesome. to go do that again because my two pins fair percentage for awesome. my rights are really bad. Love it, love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we kind of reached our two hour mark, or a little bit over. Um, is there anything, Michaela, you want to hit on before we uh, we kind of um, wrap this up? I have lots of spots open, guys. Don't just assume that you know all these spots are full. Um, please, please email me. Um, get those consent forms back to me. Make sure you sign them. Um, I will every the interview date and time is up to you. I am completely free I'm, and flexible to your guys' schedules. Um, I don't have anybody from Manitoba. I don't have anybody from Quebec. I don't have anybody from Northwest Territories. I only have like, and then every every other province I have like one person. Yeah. So, and if I again if I don't get any women from one province or I don't get any men, I'll just take all women again. If I don't get any, if I'm only can get two from like Saskatchewan and zero from Quebec or like zero from Southern Ontario for whatever reason, you know, I'll fix everything around. And I plan on sending emails out tomorrow and doing this. I wanted to get on the podcast and have more circulation of it. And I really appreciate the support from everybody and the sharing of my posts and the emails. And thank you guys for having me on here to help me get my stuff out. And yeah, of course, yeah. we we shared it once again uh, during this podcast. We shared it on our Facebook page. If people want to go look at the post and contact uh, Michaela directly, but um, please contact her. Get this get this study. It needs to be done, and uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on and doing this. Uh, yes, I see Dexter. You. Dexter has something queued up here. I just I just want to go back to uh, you know we were talking about Superior. I found some pictures that I had in my email, so just just so these guys could see what the ball returns looked like. Yeah, wow. So one and two, and then there isn't another one until four and five. Yeah. So you have so four strange. lanes open. <laughs> yeah, but real wood lanes with the shields in well, the middle. Like can, and... It looks like you can grab your ball from the backside and not really interfere necessarily with well, the guy on you five. So time it. Right where the where um, that desk is, there, right where the buttons are, you can put your balls there Yeah. too. You can, so you can like grab... Like, if you think you're not going to hit the middle and you're going to sit your second ball there, but it was just hilarious seeing all the teams stand with their balls. And make sure. <laughs> yeah. It's a very missed, it's a, it's a very going to be a very missed house. And, you know, Brian and Lori were absolutely amazing proprietors. So Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Just want to show that off because it's unique. Yeah. Very awesome. Cool. Well, uh, thanks, Michaela. We'll, uh, we'll let you go. We know you're two hours ahead over there, so it's getting a little bit late for you. Um, I'm off tomorrow, so it's all good. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and you got to go lock up the school. Yeah, I just I put a note on the door, so in case like security came around, I'm like, I'm in a meeting. Please don't <laughs> open the door. We're, we were just watching you take a look a couple times. We were wondering, oh, just make sure Michaela's okay. <laughs> I, can, I can hear doors closing because like some classes, they have like three-hour classes from 7 to 10, so I'm going to just be profs leaving because like the hallway that I'm in is not classrooms. It's all offices. So it might be just profs grabbing stuff and leaving. So yeah, for sure. Awesome. <laughs> at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you, Michaela. Uh, we're going to let you go and we're going to do our little closing banter and our all-star draw. And once again, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for your support. I appreciate thank it. Thank Thanks, you. It was great meeting you. Have a good night. Thank you. Perfect. That was uh, very informative and it's neat to see an academic study being conducted on five pin bowling. Like she said, she couldn't find anything academic wise and to have somebody that's invested in competitive bowling and then taking up this uh, sociology project. That's pretty cool. Well, and I think what's unique too is the four of us all have different perspectives right? yeah. for whatever, you know, was ball or soccer or working at the lanes or whatever it is, right? We've all got different, you know, perspectives and, and ideas and thoughts and, and whatnot, right? And that, that's what's cool about Michaela is that she's going to get 40 different perspectives and be able yeah. to form it all together to see if there's a common theme or there's not, right? And then it's uh, it's an awesome project. So hopefully people support um, her project. Uh, it's very worthwhile. So get your emails off to her and, uh, and do it, right? And if you think that there's somebody that would be really good to do a study like this, you know, ask them to do the study, right? Or, or mm -hmm. send an email to, to Michaela and say, hey, so-and-so from Manitoba would be really good for your study. Um, yeah. I'm sure she'd be happy for that. And if there's a way, and obviously you guys, Tim, or contact her, chatting with her lots too. There's lots of guys on tour that could probably be good for this too, that maybe just need a welcoming, just a nudge. Hey, yeah. this would be there's really a, good. There's a few ladies that yeah. need to uh, no. get on that. Oh, ladies, and, you know, we no, talked about, there was one time, I can't remember who it was, that somebody mentioned about practicing um, and their kid, their dad's driving them around everywhere to practicing, right? And I, the guy that came to mind there was a guy like Matt Schultz. Right, his dad drove him around everywhere uh, before tournaments and would practice and practice and practice at all the different houses. Right, so his perspective could be different than everybody else's. So it's a it's a neat it's a neat project, and I wish her all the best in doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm super I'm, grateful that we're having something like this actually happen for a sport. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see what the results are. Obviously, I'm kind of a results person, and I I, I just hope hope the bowling as a whole does uh michaela's work um justice right and i and i really think that we can use it and maybe grow the sport with it too i really think there's there's something with uh, the research that we can use and, and develop something with it yeah. yeah yeah for sure all right that was an awesome podcast so uh our one last thing the all-star draw let's get this rock and rolling um and before we do it just a reminder, our uh, second showing of the Team Pro League is this Sunday at 9 in the morning for uh, uh, Alberta time for everybody else across the country. So tune in. It goes directly to our 5-Pin Universe YouTube page. It doesn't stream to Facebook. So we'll be sharing it on uh, Facebook, the link to our YouTube uh, live stream. But... If you subscribe and turn on the notifications on the YouTube page, you'll get a email and all that good stuff for when we go live. Yeah. Sunday morning bowling is back. Let's, who's playing? Who's let's playing? Share it and build it. We, the Okanagan Eclipse, Heartland Kingpins, and the Five Pin Universe Dream Crushers oh. are all competing this Sunday. Elite, right. elite. Uh, Steve Greenside's your eight gamer. So I just got back from a week long. I call it a holiday, but it was work away for a week. Um, I got back 
to my normal job and I'm finally getting caught up so hopefully we'll get some 8 gamer matches all edited and posted for you guys this stuff takes time when there's one person behind the doing yeah. the editing we're, we're hopefully we'll be able to expand that for our uh, if we do host another 8 gamer event we'll make it a little bit easier yeah. alrighty so 21 entries for the all star draw good luck everyone it was kind of quiet. No Len Anseth tonight, eh? Yeah. yeah. I wonder if his league maybe started Wednesday night. I don't know. Maybe. Ryan was respectful. It was, it was great. <laughs> it was For the most part. Rochelarity. Yeah. Oh. There nice. he is. Cool. We'll uh, get in contact with you and just post so next on Next week Facebook. we will do a podcast. Um, guest to be determined. And then the following week we'll do a press conference for the TPC. I think that's where we're at, right? Yeah. Oh, there's Lenny. <laughs> Hi, Len. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I don't know if that's proper English or if no. that's exactly what he meant. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's the way you want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, have a great night, and uh, we'll see you all Sunday. See you Sunday. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Good.